0: Hello everyone. Welcome back to the Indiana runner podcast. My name is Josh Puccinelli. The following is an interview with John Arredondo. John is the head girls cross country and distance coach for Valparaiso high school. During this interview, we cover John's start in the sport, his coaching journey, what he's learned along the way, and and then spend the last hour or so talking about life as a coach outside of practice. We hit on topics like finding balance as a coach, building a support system, keeping your priorities straight, realizing what really matters and more. If I was to describe John in one word, it would be authentic. He is truly himself. I appreciate how honest he was about the highs and lows of his coaching journey. It's clear how much he cares about being the best coach he can be and the relationships in his life with his athletes, close friends, family, and especially his daughter. This episode was one I was especially looking forward to because of the topics we discussed in the second half of the episode. These are things I think about often and it was great talking about them with someone who's wrestled with these topics for longer than I have. Let me know if this type of podcast or type of episode is something you'd want more of going forward, Uh, episodes with more emphasis on life outside of running and coaching. Again, thank you all for listening to and supporting this podcast. I love playing my very small part in helping grow our sport. As always, I hope you all enjoy this conversation as much as I did. And without further ado, I give you John Arredondo. All right, Coach A, welcome to the Indiana Winter Podcast. How's it going?
1: Thanks, Josh. Oh, it's going well. It's going really well. I appreciate you having me. This is uh, a little nervous, but it's a thrill. You know, you had some big time coaches on here. So to invite little old me, I'm pretty excited. But, uh, you know, I know you and I have talked a little bit and uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. But I'm really, really honored that you you considered me. I think that, that's uh, really cool. Thank you.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and part of what kind of sparked this conversation we're going to have is some like you said, some dialogue we've had offline, um, and I'm excited about the kind of the latter half of the podcast. Well, hearing about your story for sure, but then kind of the the discussion that we're going to get into. Um, but before we get into it, start every week with a little tier talk, as I'm sure you're familiar. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been it's a little slim pickings these days. With the, I, high I high
1: wondered high. what you were going to come with, and you definitely came with something pretty interesting, so. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. It just it stuck out to me, but uh, so this week's going to be best sense, um, S-C-E-N-T. <laughs>
1: yes, yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, do you want to go first? Do you want me
1: to go first? Sure. Sure, I'll go first, but I'll, I'll, I'm going to give some honorable mentions if that's cool. Oh, yeah, uh, I, I have two honorable mentions. Uh, I used to be a really big candle guy, so... Uh, Cherry scented candles are up there for me as well. And uh, I don't expect some of our guy coaches to know this one, but definitely our, our female coaches uh, from Bath and Body Works. There's a scent called, I believe it's called Sweet Pea. That's awesome as well. And I can see your look. You're like, I have no idea what that is. But I think some of the folks out there uh, will notice. And I actually, my daughter got me an essential oil of it. Uh, to go with my diffuser so yeah I believe in that stuff I know it's weird um, it's not uh,
0: like sweet pea like it like an actual sweet pea is it
1: It's not like a pea it's like okay. just, <laughs> and I might even have the name wrong I probably should have looked it up and I'm sure there's probably some coaches out there that know what I'm talking about They're probably laughing like the city it doesn't even know what it's called but I think <laughs> they, they they will um, so coming in at number three the, the smell of fresh cut wood there's something about like walking into a shop. Um, you know, I remember what my old house when I redid my basement, I was cutting a lot of wood. And you get just that, that fresh cut wood smell. Always like that smell. Um, uh, I just it kind of it just like it, it smells like work, I guess, is, is where it goes from. So I always enjoyed that. Number two, which is probably a really popular scent because I know lots of people love it. I love the smell of gasoline um, where <laughs> you go to the gas station. You say, I don't know why it's they must put something in gas that everyone uh, smells it and they like it and then uh by far my number one uh favorite scent is and it's it's actually a candle as well is the clean cotton scent i really love that white candle whether it's from yankee candle or the dollar store or wherever you buy your candles from uh, i've always enjoyed that clean cotton probably because it j- just smells clean so
0: mm. yeah so it's uh, a candle not like actual like laundry
1: correct but it smells like laundry i don't know have you ever yeah. smelled clean cotton before I don't the, know. the scent yeah next time you go shop and go go to the candle section find clean cotton you'll be surprised Very good.
0: <laughs> all right keep that in mind a little sweet pea. <laughs> yeah all right for me number three since it is a running <laughs> podcast after all and i was reminded of this this past weekend but it's fresh air after an indoor track meet <laughs>
1: that was a very good one
0: <laughs> yeah we were at indiana wesleyan this past weekend and at first it was like a little chilly in there and it felt like pretty good but then by the end of the meet it was just like i could barely breathe <laughs> indoor
1: track meets they're a very interesting aroma that's for sure <laughs>
0: <yeah>. <laughs> especially when you're not running
1: yeah yeah because
0: <laughs> once yeah when you're running you like, don't really smell that much But yeah, and it was then so
1: you awesome. open those doors and ah, so <laughs> serenity
0: you <laughs> know uh number two similar to you is gasoline um i don't it never made sense to me why it smells so good but obviously it tastes <laughs> so bad but there's something about it that just smells so good and the number one is fresh brewed coffee okay which is always is solid Um uh, definitely definitely a coffee caffeine addict got my two cups a day typically and so that, fr- that first cup in the morning after you brew it, it's just like all right. Let's let's get after the day, you know.
1: Yeah. I'm not a coffee drinker. I don't I don't drink it. So, really? uh, yeah, I, it's weird. I being Hispanic, I grew up with it uh, in my grandparents home and I drank it. And we used to dip our bread in it and then eat the bread. Um, but for some reason, as I got old, you'll laugh. I I'm a I'm a breath of breath Like I'm always concerned that I have bad breath <laughs> and nothing is worse oh. than that coffee like aftertaste and then so I stay away from coffee now a good energy drink now every now and then and if the cho- if the Chesterfield coaches are listening to this they're probably laughing right now because they always pick on me for drinking energy drinks so I have to do one of those uh once or twice a week I had to have one that's today about uh, with that long meat I was telling you about so
0: oh yeah I bet <laughs> so do you do you have like a morning drink or you just water or
1: it's water yeah I'll, yeah I'll fill my water jug up and just uh, sip on that and I just uh as an adult, I've just never got into the car. And it's weird being a teacher that you don't drink coffee. I know, but a lot of people are like, you don't drink coffee. What? <laughs> it's never really since a kid, you know, I would say it stunted my growth because I'm only five, four. So, you know, everyone <laughs> always laughs at that.
0: Yeah. Are you pretty good at getting good sleep?
1: Ah, that's probably one of the things I'm really bad at. Um, Ooh. you know, I try as, as I'm getting older, I'm trying to get more sleep, but you know, You know how it is. You go Sometimes you lay down and that's when your mind goes, hey, what's going on? Let's talk about some (laughs) things. And you're like, no. Uh, Now, last night I fell asleep fairly quickly, but it was still, gosh, it was midnight when I finally was going to bed and probably took, you know, whatever, you know, who knows when you fall asleep and, you know, 5.30, my alarm's going off to get up and go back to school. So it was a long day. That's for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah, See, I just couldn't imagine doing that without a little little cup of coffee in the morning. (laughs) Impressive. It
1: was uh, it was uh, oh, it was a long morning. I'll just put it that way. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> cool. Well, we're gonna get into your background. Um, your running, and then also coaching, and then part of our conversation, which I'm really excited about, is talking about uh, coaching, but outside of practice. So I don't know life as a coach, if you will. Yeah. You have a bunch of questions surrounding that. So I'm excited to get into it. But like always, we'll start with your background. Uh, how'd you get your start in running? What was the beginning?
1: Uh, 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 my, my, I guess my background is like a lot of people in the sense that I started running in middle school, you know, I, I grew up in Lake County, Indiana. So, you know, I grew up in some, uh, like Gary, Indiana, East Chicago, Indiana, Indiana Indiana Harbor, where, you know, I've always, where even today, you know, inner city neighborhoods don't really do well with distance run. I mean, it's just never, so I was never around running, um. You know, I my mom and dad got divorced when I was very young, so my mom and you know I lived with my mom and my sister and a single mom, and we lived with my grandparents. So, and it wasn't until we finally settled in Portage, and in sixth grade we moved to I finally moved to Portage, and even in middle school I didn't know about the Portage tradition. You know, and, and you know the seventies and eighties. You know, I, I was in middle school eighty six through eighty eight, and you know, and as like a lot of schools, middle schools were your first chance to represent your school. So I heard about cross country and I'm like, all right, well, let me give it a shot. You know, I was a little Hispanic kid. You know, I was, I was supposed to be a baseball player. Um, (laughs) and I started running on this team and I just liked it. You know, I didn't love it, but it was just fun being part of a team. Having moved around so much as a kid, I didn't really get to play a lot of organized sports. I didn't really play organized sports until my teens after we settled in Portage. Um, And I used to vacation a lot in the summer to go visit my grandparents and my dad who lived in Texas at the time. Uh, My dad's family lived in Texas. Um, So, you know, finally settling down and I got involved in cross country and ran all through middle school. I was not a very good runner. Um, You know, there were two middle schools in Portage, Willow Creek and Fagley. Willow Creek was the really big one and Fagley was the small one where I I went to. And I was maybe our fourth or fifth guy. You know, I just wasn't very good and still didn't really know about the Portage tradition. And then... um, you know, come eighth grade, Coach Wilkie came to the middle school to talk to us. I remember there were only three of us in the meeting. And then you, he comes in and, you know, he was, you know, I, you've probably never met Coach, but Coach very, very tall guy, very straightforward, very businesslike. And, you know, he just came in and said, so, you know, pride, tradition, determination, state championships. And I'm like, well, this sounds kind of cool, but it also sounds really intense and intimidating. And I decided to go out, and I did run for two years with Coach Wobie, uh until my sophomore year. I ended up getting hurt, and it's probably because I had bad shoes, just like anyone, you know, and like I said, coming from my background, you just didn't know about those things, and this is 1990, you know, and, you know, at the time, I was kind of, I didn't love, run. I liked it, but I didn't love it, and then I was starting to get involved in some other activities at the high school with student council and things like that, and at Portage, student council was a big deal. Like, you know, everyone talks about Portage Cross Country. Like the Portage Student Council was like the, the, the Portage Cross Country of student councils. It was really big. And, you know, I give, I give my coach credit. Coach Wilkie, he sat me down one day and he's like, well, you have potential. He goes, but it's going to be hard for you to do both. And he's like, I'm not saying you have to choose, but it's just going to be hard for you to do both. And I actually said, I'm going to choose student council. And it opened up all, a lot of opportunities for me. I ended up becoming my class president, student body president, And, you know, I got to go to Colorado for all this leadership stuff and coach respected it, Uh, but we kind of like didn't talk because I think he was a little disappointed. I think he, that wasn't my ability that he liked, but I think he just liked having me around because of my leadership abilities. I was good with all the guys and, you know, I just stopped running. Um, And then my senior year coach actually taught a leadership class where we would learn about teaching and then the class ends with a camp that we put on for Elementary kids mm. and him and I reconnected. That. And you know, he told me, He's like, I wish you had ran, but I think it worked out well for you that you didn't. And then, uh, you know, we just kind of reconnected. And that was great because I still looked up I me. He's, if he were walking right now, I'd be like, Hey, coach, what's going on? You know, <laughs> and I'm, you know, almost, <laughs> you know, he's just like this amazing father figure to me. Mm. Went to college, Ball State, didn't run, you know, did leadership stuff there. Um, I think I mentioned that, you know, I ran an intramural cross-country race, and that didn't go very well, as you can imagine, (laughs) and then it wasn't until after I got out of college, I had friends that were starting to run as adults, a couple were running the Chicago Marathon, and I'm like, well, I used to run, and I loved it, Mm -hmm. and started back up, and this would have been 98, 99, and I've been running since, and then I uh, started coaching through AAU uh, with a a coach here, Coach Sue Brown, through a, a program up here we call the Striders, and then I did that for like two years. I was going back to college to get my uh, teaching certification because I, when I graduated Ball State, I went into sales. Mm. And that's really why I started running because I need to lose weight because you're on the road and you're eating crappy food <laughs> and not exercising. And I uh, applied for a job at Portage, which was a dream to go back to where I started at. And that's when they said, hey, we have an opening for cross country. Are you interested? Sure. I met coach Tom Erickson, who was way younger than me Uh, because you know I was in my 30s by the time I started teaching and we just hit it off and then uh, that spring they offered me a girls track position and that's kind of where it started so I was coaching assistant coaching boys distance in the fall and then coaching girls sprints in the spring Uh, so and while I was at Portage I became the girls track head coach eventually and then I had some issues which you've read about a little bit and then I had to give it up and then I came back finished two years there and then that's uh, when I ended up at Valpo um, in 2014, I believe it was. Uh, Coach Nelson Boomer at Valpo came to me and he said, there might be an opening. Would you be interested? You know, and I was kind of, you know, I was coaching and teaching at almost like it was my dream job. I was a Portage guy, grew up there. Portage was really good to me. Um, but I kind of knew that after coaching with Tom and seeing what he was doing, um, and he let me do a lot you kind of want to do your own thing too and tommy's younger than me uh coach white was on the girl's side who was uh, had been there forever and was just recently uh stopped coaching there and i kind of saw if you want to be a head coach it's probably not going to happen here unfortunately and I, I did have an opportunity one year and i turned it down because i didn't think i was ready um which is funny, Coach Trezak, Abby at Portage now, the head coach, she was on that. She was a senior on that team. Oh, wow. And I always pick on her that I'm like, I could have been your head coach. And she says, I wish you would have, but that's another story for another day. And I, I, would, I just didn't feel like I was ready. And at the time, we had a really good boys team. And I thought, this is the year we're going to get back to state finally, because that was during where Portage didn't go to state for a long time. And um, then, like I said, Boomer came to me and said, Hey, I might have this position but you know, you can't be at both. So I ended up resigning from Portage before I got the Valpo job. And he said, I can't guarantee you the job, but even if you don't get it, you know, I'll keep you on as a volunteer, you know, blah, 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 but a bunch of stuff happened. And I finally was named the coach or named uh, the, the assistant. And then that's when he came to me, he goes, all right, well, now that you're here, you're in charge of training. And I'm like, what? And he goes, I, he goes you know, you know what you're doing? I'll take care of everything else i want you to keep me informed of training and we'll sit down every week and you tell me what you want to do i'm like this is going to be cool and you know so i've been you know training the valpo girls since 2014 um because boomer gave me that opportunity and i'm forever grateful i mean without him i'm not at, at valpo you know and without coach devries he's not at valpo you know he you know now he graduated from valpo so um and yeah i don't want to say the rest is history but you know that's how i ended up at valpo and uh it's been it was, it was the right move for me. I'm I'm happy I, I did it, you know, but I'm, I miss my, you know, I was at Portage last night for our track meet. I walked in, I'm like, mm. you know, the memories come flooding back. I still am good friends with all the coaches there. Even my old teaching buddies at social, uh, the social studies department at, at Portage, still very tight. We talk to those guys every day. Um, you know, I was a Portage guy, but you know, I'm green and white now. So it, it is what <laughs> it is. I'm a Viking.
0: There you go. Uh, so thinking back to high school, when you made the decision to go the uh, student council route instead of running, did you have any regrets then? Or do you have any now about like not pursuing your own running?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do. And I don't, I don't regret it. Because that those leadership things that I went through, not only they shape me as a person now, but they really have an impact on how I coach. Like I just learned so much about I, I even do some things that I learned in leadership camps and I use them in cross country, like when we go to camp and, and you know things like that. Um, so I don't regret that part of it because I, I really believe it made me who I was. And I got to meet people from all over the country and all over our county and things like that. Now, on the running side of things, yeah, there is some regret there because my four years at Portage, we went third, third, second, first. Now, I don't think I would have been a varsity guy, because those guys were good. I mean, you're talking Jason Cassiano, Jason Stepanovich, Danny Allen. I mean, these guys that, but they were all my friends. And but I think I probably could have been probably my junior or senior year, a 12-man roster guy, and I probably would have had a ring. Um, you know, I remember when they won, I was so, you know, I got to school early on Monday and I made a big banner above the student council office saying congratulations, Cordy's Cross, because those are my guys. I mean, I ran with a lot of them through middle school and I was still friends with them. And, you know, that, w- that one, it didn't hurt, but I'm like, dang, I, I, that could have been me or, you know, or, you know, who knows? I, maybe I wouldn't have made the 12 man, but I think not to give you, I was an 1850 kid my freshman year and how much time I could have got. I think I would have took off probably enough to get me on the postseason roster, but those guys were studs. I mean, they had, I think seven guys, 16, 15 or faster, or 16, 30 or faster. I don't remember exactly, but you know, those guys are were really, really good, and, but I look back, and, uh, you know, it's funny, I, I meet with Coach Wilkie, I see him, we we talk every now and then, and he has me over for Christmas every year, just to thing, and it's fun to talk to him, because, you know, I'm, I'm on social media and all this stuff, and I, I'm still friends with all those guys, so he'll ask me, how's this guy doing, how's this guy doing, how's, you know, here's their number, and we'll, we'll be chatting with them, and I'm like, oh, let me get on Facebook, and we'll, you know, FaceTime or something like that, and um, so it's kind of neat uh, but you know even though I only did it for two years those two years were very very are instrumental to who I am as a running coach but like I said I'm not disappointed with choosing the student leadership route either because like I said I, I learned a lot there as well
0: yeah so having decided to move from running to the, the student council route now being a coach, do you have kind of a soft spot for the kid who maybe decides to, to quit running to pursue something else, or even after they graduate decides to, to stop running? And I uh, totally,
1: I, I totally get it. And, and, and you know, because at the end of the day, it's high school. And part of the experience of high school is experiencing everything. Like I've got girls on my team that are in the band that are a national yeah. honor society. And as long as it's legit, and my girls are very honest with me. I'm like, go to your meeting, get here as soon as you can, or this is where we'll be running. Meet us, get your pre-workout stuff done, and meet us out on the track, or things like that. So yeah, I I do have a stuff. You know, I even tell my girls, I'm like, some of you are faster than I was in high school. <laughs> you know, you know, like, you yeah, yeah, you know. So I, you know, I tell my, you know, my, you know, I hate to classify varsity and non-varsity, but it, it is what it is. You have to do that. And I tell my JV girls, I'm like, I was you. I was you in high school. You know, I wasn't, you know, Kaylee Pulitzer or, you know, Ava Gillian or Logan Fergren. That wasn't me. I was you. Uh, So I do, I get it. And, you know, I, I have a soft spot to a point, but I I tell my girls, you know, if you want to be better at this, you're going to have to do it more. You're going to have to commit a little more time to it. And I think, most of the girls would tell you i'm very fair about that stuff uh because i get it because my high i had a wonderful high school experience like my experience at portage high school was awesome and i think it's because i did so many different things i didn't pigeon myself whole into one thing but i get it today with specialization and stuff like that i I get that part too i get it but i don't get it i'll put it that way
0: Uh so leaving portage what was maybe harder than you thought or and what was maybe easier or something that made the transition better develop oh
1: man that's a really good question yeah um you're talking when I left there from coaching correct yeah 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 um it was hard because I knew I was going to have to coach against the kids I'd been coaching and they here's the neat thing about high school students they get it they understood. I mean, it was a very emotional decision for me. Like I said, I was a Portage guy through and through, and the kids understood why I was doing it. I told them why. I said, you know, I'm doing it. There's a financial aspect to this, um, but I'm also doing it because it's going to give me the opportunity to grow as a coach. So it was hard, but they understood. Now, some of the old school Portage people, and if you don't know Portage and Vapo have a very, very long history of not getting along. Like, you know, okay. it's just, it's like the Hatfields and the McCoys, you know. <laughs> some of the parents did not understand. And now some of the parents that were my that knew my situation and understood it, they got it. But there were, I mean, I can recall running at New Prairie. We were on our warm-up, and one of the parents actually called me a traitor, like yelled out, traitor. And as I'm running with the team and I, it made me laugh. I giggled because I'm like, that's Portage Valpo, you know? um, And I know there are probably some Valpo people that were about little leery. Now at the time, you know, when I, oh, we're bringing a Portage guy over. Um, But, you know, once I got to know the parents and things like that, they got it. But, you know, leaving, leaving Portage for Valpo for coaching was hard, leaving Valpo Uh, Leaving Portage for Valpo with teaching was really, really difficult as well Um, because, you know, you're like I said, I was a Portage guy through and through, Um, but at the end of the day, you know, as I tell my girls, sometimes you have to do what's best for you. I don't necessarily know Josh's situation or what's going on in your life and Mm -hmm. whatever decision you make, I'm assuming you're doing it for you and your family and you're going to do the best thing for you. So I'm forever grateful to those Portage kids who got it. They, they understood. And I'm, you know, a lot of them now are in their mid-20s and early, late 20s, like your age. And, mm-hmm. you know, I still talk to them and they understood and, you know, still keep in touch with them on Instagram and all the, the social media things. So they got it. You know. But, it, yeah. but it, was, it was very hard. I'm not gonna lie. It was, it was very hard.
0: I bet. I, I think one of the truths of life, of life is like, you don't know what you got till it's gone um Absolutely. did you have any of those kind of realizations when you left portage or maybe put another way what are kind of your maybe favorite memories or some things that you you miss about that time
1: um gosh that's and it, I'm, I'm aging myself here it feels like like it was a century ago that i was there you know i just you know being a when you're from the community that you're teaching and coaching in i think it creates a special bond with the people there because you went to school with their uncle, or you graduated with their mom, so they come in, and they're like, hey, my mom knows you, or my dad went to high school, or my dad ran cross-country with you, and things like that, so I, you know, when I left for Valpo, I lost a lot of those connections, because now I was in a new community, but there are a lot of former Portage people that live in Valpo, so it still happened every now and then, but not as much, and I did miss that uh, for, for a bit, you know, I missed the people that I, Taught with at Portage, you know, you go from, you know, th- they had a nickname for us at Portage. They called us the brochure Studies Department because we did everything together. We not only did we work together, but we hung out together. Shout out brochure Studies, and <laughs> and and you know, we, I go to a different school, and now I don't know the everyday happenings with them. And while we, I'm still close with those guys, and we talk. You know, I, half the time I don't know what they're talking about because I'm not in Portage anymore. Um, so the relationships are what you really miss when you, you know, move. even though the school is literally six miles away, it's not that far, you just miss those everyday things. And, you know, and, you know from a physical sense, walking into the Portage track last night, their indoor, I, I walked in, I'm like, God, I miss this place. Cause the indoor facility at Portage is just amazing. I mean, if you've never seen it, it is a top-notch facility. And I was telling one of my assistant coaches, I'm like, I remember I had the keys to this place and I would come in (laughs) on a Sunday night and just, you know, run a mile on the treadmill, run a mile on the track, run a mile on the treadmill, you know, just go back and forth rather than, you know, going to run outside in the dark, or if it was, you know, four feet of snow outside. Um, And I walk in, I'm like, man, I, I miss this facility. And, you know, they had a nice cardio room. So, you know, their athletic facilities were really nice, but it's definitely the relationships that I miss. And, you know, you grow up wearing, you know, I was at the meet last night i ran into some folks that i knew from portage and so there was a parent saying you know you know i can't you were here for so long you went and i go and i jokingly said i go well the first time i put the valpo gear on it burned a little bit but you know (laughs) eventually the burns went away and you know now i'm full through and through and started that's good so um
0: this is something i'm always curious about but it feels like indiana's kind of broken up into three sections like southern indiana central indiana and northern indiana Like having grown up on like the east side of Chicago and like Portage Valpo area, and then now like living and coaching there still, do do you feel like a part of Indiana? Do you feel connected to central and southern Indiana? Do you feel more like Chicago?
1: I'm going to correct you. Indiana is actually four spaces. It's uh, southern Indiana, central Indiana, north, central, and eastern Indiana. And then it's the region,
2: Okay, (laughs) Lake Okay.
1: Lake and Porter County um you we have yeah i teach government so we talk about this all the time i always tell the kids i go if you move away they're gonna say you talk funny they're gonna say (laughs) that you have you know an accent and that you know oh you must be from chicago da 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 um it's a great question there are times yeah i I don't feel like we're part of indiana because where i live it's chicago news all the news channels are chicago um we there are colts fans here there are even Packer fans here, but most of the people here are you know Bears fans, Bulls fans, White Sox, Cubs, Blackhawks, mm-hmm. and that's what I grew up on. Um, now I do have a love for Central Indiana, you know, going to school in Muncie for five years and then you know, you know hanging out a lot in Indianapolis, my <laughs> in my twenties, uh, you know, place like Broad Ripple and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I do have a love for that. But yeah, it it I don't want to say it's different up here, but there is a different vibe up here for sure. But I mean Indianapolis is just as urban as any other part of the state, you know, but yeah. we are, I mean, we have the lake, you know, I bring, you know, I remember in college bringing friends from college and I'd take them to the beach and they'd be like, it looks like the ocean here. Cause you know, they have an idea <laughs> of a lake that it's a lake. Then you go to Lake Michigan and the water just goes forever and you know, True. you could, you, they're like, whoa, this is wild. And, you know, so, you know, it, we do, but that's what makes the region unique. I think even region people go, eh, we're, 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 we're part of Indiana. We're not really, really part of Indiana. You know, yeah, yeah. It, it kind of gives us that edge, I guess. You know.
0: Yeah, and, for sure. You
1: know, where you grew up, you probably hear that all the time.
0: Yeah. So you make the move to Valpo uh, as an assistant initially, and you're given kind of, I don't know, not free reign, but kind of free reign with the training and things. What were some? I guess maybe some lessons or some things you learned having like had a front row seat at Portage for so long, and now being being able to design your own training. Like, what were some things that you learned? through that experience?
1: Uh, You know, flexibility. I learned, but that took a few years to learn. Um, I think we talked about that a little bit. Um, You know, organization was the big thing. You know, with the one of the things I I really respect about Coach Erickson, he was super organized. I mean, we'd meet in in June and he'd bring out a notebook and literally every week of planning was there. And I would be like, wow, this guy's really put some time in. (laughs) And, you know, when I first started, that's how I was, you know, I was like, I, every week I'd show Boomer, I'm like, here's the plan for June, July, da, 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 da. and, you know, I, I think, especially if you're a beginning coach, you need to be that way, because right? it creates good habits, it, it creates that form, that organization, um, well, I can tell you, I'm not that way anymore, I, I kind of go week to week, because you never know if, you know, the kids are tired, or, you know, injuries, or, you know, all, you know we've had terrible weather up here, it's been, 70 one day and the next day there's two feet of snow on the ground. (laughs) Um, so you know, things like that you you have to take into consideration. But when I first came over, the big thing was like, holy moly, boomers basically given me the keys to this, you know, souped up car. And it's like, don't wreck it, you know. (laughs) And and you know, he was, you know, he said he said do the training, but I would clear it with him every week and he'd offer his insights on things um because he was a runner but he was actually from a swimming background he swam in college but he ran across and swam at Valpo um but he knew that was kind of my strength and you know going from being a cross-country coach of boys to then going to a cross-country coach of girls there were some things I had to adjust there as well Mm. in regards to you know that first summer I was just volunteering so a lot of it was just showing up to practice running with them you know getting to know them talk about you know what's going on in their lives uh you know, how, what, how, what kind of training do they prefer and things like that, you know, and I show up and they're like, who's this guy? And, you know, I, I knew a couple of the runners because at the time I was also working at a local running store. So I, I was familiar with a few of them. Um, but coming over, that was the big thing. It's like, all right, don't screw this up. You know, all eyes, because if you screwed up, people are going to blame Boomer and you didn't want, you don't know, want that on your hands either. Um, but it was really organization. And then, you know, doing a lot of reading, you know, just like, gobbling m- as much information as I could uh, because now you you know you know I think my situation was cool because from a traditional standpoint I coached at one of the best boys programs you know from a tradition standpoint and then I go right over to one of the best girls programs for tradition. so you know I feel very blessed for that opportunity to do that you know it's it, sometimes I I always go wow you, you know I said that i'm like holy moly this, you're the this is your program you know don't and even now i go sometimes i wake up go don't screw it up you know yeah. <laughs> don't, don't wreck the car uh, so yeah. that would probably be the biggest thing is you know just like all right you know because as an assistant coach you just show up and, and there's nothing against uh, if assistant coaches out there i'm not saying anything again but a lot of times they get to show up and coach you know mm-hmm. and you know get to know the kids on a different level sometimes the athletes i'm sorry and you know, where there's so much more on the head coaching side that you have to do. And, you know, that was, that was a, a big change as well. But, you know, like I said, with, with Boomer saying, I'll take care of that stuff. You take care of the training and, you know, you show up to coach and you do what you got to do. And, you know, that, that that helped a lot.
0: Yeah, for sure. I've mentioned this on the podcast before, but that's like something I'm trying not to wish away is that like today I just got to show up like right when practice started and like a couple of guys, we're doing a workout and i biked next to them, played music and like i didn't have to worry about anything really yeah. <laughs> just yeah. hang out with the guys get to know them, help them run as fast as they can so I'm, yeah
1: treasure yeah, Try that work. man it's it, yeah. it's really cool and not that i don't do that either you know I, i'll bike with the girls sometimes or I'll run like today i ran with the girls myself and i ran with my jv girls you know i went moved up and asked them how they thought their race was things like that i let the my varsity girls just kind of do their own thing. We're all running the same route. And, you know, so you still get to do that stuff, but then when you get back, you're the one in charge of doing these things, you know, cause right now I'm as on the track side, I'm the only distance coach where during cross I have two assistants and, you know, so it, you have right now I'm in charge of 34, 35 girls. And, you know, it's kind of overwhelming. Sometimes you get the long line, you get out there. Um, and then, you know, you're always staying after cause you're helping this person out or you got to you know, go to your classroom and take care of this, take care mm. of that. So, um, so yeah, definitely treasure those assistant coach moments. Cause you know, if you, if you, I don't know what you want to do in your future as well, but you know, it, it is different. It is different.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, how was the transition to becoming a head coach? you were kind of doing the training, but I don't know. I, I imagine being the, the full head coach is different.
1: Yeah. It, the, the hard part was it did take me, it, it took me a while. You know, I remember I didn't get hired till late July um so you know like I was doing everything that I knew I needed to do and Boomer was there with me he had you know he's now in charge of our pool we have this beautiful pool at Valpo now and he's he's the guy that basically runs it so he was at the school and he said you know until you're officially hired or you don't have a coach I'll show up and help you and he did as much as he could so that helped out a lot but you know I remember one day we went to lunch and he's just like, all right, you got to order team shirts. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do, you got to fill out your bus forms. And I'm like, Oh my God, you know, now I feel now I see why, you know? And so that first year was crazy because I hadn't been hired yet. Um, but I have to do all these things. Some of these things I didn't even know how to do, you know, I'm just going to the athletic department. Where do I find these forms? Things like that. And for the, that's, july those first couple weeks it was it was And june it was crazy like i'm just like all right you know because my number one goal was just we're going to run we're i'm going to keep these girls going and you know we got to connect the dots we're still going to work out all that stuff and but you know then i was having to go to the high school and like fill out these forms and make sure things even though i wasn't the head coach yet um so it was wild but then once it happened it was like smooth and you know because i'd been there I'd been boomers. I mean, boomers showed me how to do a lot of that stuff. And, I, you know, while I was his assistant coach, we really treated, he really was, let me be like a co-head coach. So, but I just didn't do all the paperwork and stuff like that, but he would have me, he's like, go talk to the team, you know, tell them, give me your thoughts on the race or this or that. So, you know, in our pregame huddles, he'd always let me talk and stuff like that. So, you know I that stuff was easy it was just the the administrative part of it that took me a while and I'll be honest there's still some administrative every year when you know knock on wood we've been blessed to make the state finals every year I'm like all right how do I do this credit card thing again how do I reserve rooms I (laughs) totally forgot you know you know it's just those little things that you you just don't realize that's a part of it and you, you know obviously when you're using school funds there's rules and all that stuff so you just gotta you know, make sure you're following. So that's what I'm always I'm like, all right, am I following the rules the right way? I'm a, I'm a very rules guy. It's probably been my downfall. And <laughs> so, you know, the running part was easy, but it was that administrative. And then, you know, at the time I wasn't teaching at Valpo. So, you know, I didn't see my athletes all day. I would see them after school. So I was commuting. I was teaching at Portage and how I was coaching at Valpo. So it was that. that, yeah, it was that, so, you know, I went from just teaching and coaching at Portage then teaching at Portage, coaching at Valpo, and then now I'm teaching and coaching at Valpo. So I did the whole full circle.
0: Wow. So with Boomer, like, did he, did you, I guess, did you communicate to him that you wanted to be a head coach and that's why he allowed you to kind of take on that? Yeah, role? I mean,
1: it's weird. And, you know, you are talking about, we talked about the parts of Indiana. Our conference, the DAC, the coaches were, and if you've talked to Derek before, he knows who we, we actually, we're very tight. I mean, I consider the DAC coaches some of my closest friends. I mean, I talk to Nicole and Lindsay at Chesterton almost every day. We talk, we talk wow. about something, and it's not just training. We just, you know. Um, so I knew Boomer beforehand. And at the time, there were already talks that BALPA was going to expand. Uh, they were trying to get a referendum, they might have already had a referendum pass and. They were going to update a bunch of buildings. They were going to build a new school. And one of those was they were going to build a new pool. And, you know, at the time, Boomer was coaching three varsity sports. And he's like, I'm probably going to have to get rid of one. And he goes, I love cross country. He goes, but if you're able to get over here, he goes, maybe that'll be your your Mm -hmm. in as an assistant and then maybe eventually could lead to you becoming head coach but he always he's I can't promise you anything he's like I don't know that many people higher up he goes but this could be your shot and Mm. that's kind of what made me that was really the the driving force and there was obviously some economic parts to it as well um but I knew there was a possibility I could potentially because as we know nothing in life is certain um but but it was a chance I was, I was willing to take and I took it and it worked out.
0: Yeah. So a question uh, I'm always curious about with like girls coaches, what have, what have you learned about coaching girls like through the years? And then as a guy, what is it like uh, coaching girls?
1: (laughs) Um, You know, as we were talking um, earlier and I already forgot who's the coach Gear and Catholic. Uh,
0: uh, Andy Callen.
1: Yeah, and, and Coach Andy, shout out Andy. I, I actually e- I emailed him after that. I think he nailed it on, on the head. Is the fact that boys and girls, there's so many differences between them, but particularly with coaching on the girl side, you have to, you know, you have to really get to know those girls. They have to know that. And I, I think all athletes, especially young athletes, they need to know you care about them beyond what you're doing. Coach cares about me, not because I'm a runner, but because he knows this about me and my family or he likes music, too, and we connect on music. You have to really make, uh, I think he put worded as an emotional connection, um, and it, once you make those emotional connections, um, you know, the doors get opened up, you know, and I don't necessarily think there's a, a moment in time. I just think like anything, if you show your athletes repeatedly that you care about them, it it starts respect. And then they go, I, what do you want me to do, coach? I'll do it, you know. And with girls, that is, you know, by far, in my opinion, the number one thing. You've got to really you know, they got to know that you care and, and really that you're human, you know, that, you know, they look at coaches and, and I think, think about when you were younger and when you looked at your coaches, like they are these like, oh my God, these are my coaches. <laughs> and then eventually they find out you're just people, you know, you're just an everyday person, just like them. You have the same problems they have. You know, I talk about my high school years a lot to my girls to let them know, hey, I went through the same thing I went through, you know, that you're going through. Now, on the other hand, as you brought up, I'm a guy, you know, they're girls, very different, you know, girls deal with a whole slew of problems that boys don't have to deal with. And as a male coach, you have to understand that you can't just go, ah, tough it out. You'll be fine. You know, because to them, it's not a tough it out. I'll be fine moment to them. It might be something that's earth shattered. It might be something that to you is super small, but to them and their group, it's a big deal. And as a, as a guy coach, you have to show empathy to that. Now mm. you do that to a certain point, And then I, you know, I, I tell them, all right, but we got to move on. We got to, you know, I, I try to tell them, I, tell, I always tell my girls that I want them to be the toughest girls on the course. Mm. You know, I don't care if you're a 35 minute 5k girl or a 17 minute, no one's going to out tough you. If someone's faster than you, there's nothing we can do about that. But if you give up, I have problems with that. And I always tell them, you have to take that focus in what we do on the course, but you have to take that off the course as well because that'll take you so far in life. If you can just, because you're going to get beat down. I tell them all the time, you're going to get beat down and you just got to get back up. Hmm. And as a guy, the machismo part and the macho part, you got to understand that a lot of girls aren't wired that way. You have to kind of sometimes coach them through it. And once you make that connection, you know, like I said, I, I enjoy coaching the girls you know, not if any of my former Portage guys are listening, I love coaching you guys as well. Um, but, you know, and the other part of it is, you know, I'm a girl dad. You know, I have a 12 year old daughter. And, you know, one of the reasons why I ultimately dedicated myself to girls is because I wanted to be a better dad. Um, you know, I was joking. I was talking to one of the dads last night and I, he's my daughter's orthodontist. And we were talking and he's like, coach. You've coached, you know, 300 and 500 girls. He goes, there's nothing your daughter's going to throw at you. I go, yeah. well, no, the difference is she's my daughter now. You know, I know all the things that your daughters have gone through. And we, we had a good laugh with that. And, you know, it, 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 I'm not saying it's prepared me to be a girl dad and a teenage girl dad, but it's helped a lot. And, you know, my daughter has been coming to our practices since she was three or four years old. And that was important to me so she could see what I do and what I'm passionate about but also to surround her with these incredible female role models,
2: mm. you know,
1: that are out here doing hill repeats on a 95 degree day, you know, and that was as a kid, she's so funny. That was her favorite workout. She's like, daddy, are we going to do hills today? And, you know, we'd go out <laughs> and the girls are like, you know, they're like, ah, you know, sweaty. And they're like, and hey, there's my daughter going, "Yay, go runners, you know, <laughs> and, you know, it was awesome. And, you know, that was a, a, you know, in the back of my mind, I think back, and I think that played a role in ultimately deciding, you know, that and as a male coach coaching girls, that was kind of an outside view. I take it. I'm like, well, you know, this gives me the opportunity to potentially be a better dad. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm still trying to, to get that role and, you know, to learn some things about girls because I'm not a girl and, you know, mm-hmm. there, there's just, there's just differences there. Um, but I found it hasn't been, it was challenging when i was younger um like those first years at portage when i was coaching boys in the fall and coaching girls in the spring i didn't necessarily coach the girls differently and i think that mm-hmm. hurt me a little bit and then i started to understand and then it it just kind of clicked for me mm-hmm. and my girls will tell you i'm 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 not you know i, I don't treat them softly by any means i'm i'm pretty tough on Uh, uh, the girls and, you know, I've had a couple runners say, you know, do you, did you coach the boys differently than us? And I'm like, no, I go, I might approach the strategies different, Mm -hmm. but I coach them just as hard and and tough as I do you guys. And, you know, I think, I think sometimes that even pervades a little bit when we race, I, you know, as I get to start this off, I want them to be tough. That's what I want. Um, But there's been some challenging moments. I mean, girls, you know, girls are just as crazy as teenage boys and they talk about stuff And I just sometimes shake my head and I just go, you know what? I don't want to be a part of this conversation. And, but you just, you just learn things. You know, I know uh, in the coach the girls thing, you were talking about cycles and periods and menstrual stuff, all that stuff. I mean, <laughs> yeah. It's just natural. Now it's just like, we talk about it because that's part of training too. You know, yeah. I don't necessarily ask them when they're, but you know, I just say, you know, if there's things that aren't, they'll come to me, coach. I just don't feel right. right. Is this going on? What's going on? How are your iron levels? Things like that. You know. Mm-hmm. So, and as a guy coach, as a young coach, those things weren't very comfortable to talk about.
2: Mm.
1: Now they they come natural, and I tell the girls right off the bat, you don't have to tell me those things, but if you're having problems with it, you know, you can come to me. You can come to Coach Mac. You can come to Coach Heather. I have two female uh, assistant coaches, and we'll help you out the best we can. You know, because. You know, as and you know, growing up, you don't always talk to you about your parents to everything that's yeah. going on in your life. And you know, I think especially with girls, they need an outlet too as well.
0: Yeah what's the what's the importance of having strong female assistant coaches to support?
1: Uh, undoubtedly, one billion percent. <laughs> uh, you know, I have two assistant coaches, Coach Marissa McNamara uh, and Coach Heather Henderlong both come from different backgrounds. Uh, you know, Heather is a master's runner and a, a store owner in Valparaiso and she grew up playing softball and basketball, but she's a tremendous runner. Now coach Mac was a jumper in college and in high school. So they bring different aspects to, you know, coach Mac's about, you know, power and nutrition coach Heather does a lot for our strength worth. Um, they're the fun coaches. Um, now they are, they get on, 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 the girls as well, but the girls know that, you know, if you want the fun, do the fun stuff, go talk to coach Heather, coach Matt, <laughs> talk, talk to coach A about it. Cause I'm not good at that stuff. I, I, I really not. Um, but it's important because like I said, I'm not a girl. And I think it's important that the girls, a have strong role models to look up to as well. And Marissa and, and Heather are two of the very best and, there's probably going to be some girls on the team that aren't comfortable talking to me about certain stuff. Mm-hmm. And the fact that having those, the, the, my two coaches there um, that, that bridges that gap that, that is there. And I'm not saying a guy coach can't do it on his own by any means, but I, I really believe it does help. They bring a different perspective. I mean, mm-hmm. girls and guys are built differently, So I might say, Hey, let's do this. And they go, you know, you may not want to do that right now. Cause this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. Let's try something different. And, and being that they're from, like I said, different backgrounds in a sense, uh, you know, I rely on them to tell me if I'm being too rough or being, you know, uh, if they, they're like, yeah, you know, Heather and I talk training all the time. Uh, and, you know, Coach Max, she's with me in track right now, but she's coaching jumps. So, you know, it's nice to have them there to bounce ideas off of. But, you know, they're also two of my really good friends. I, I, I depend on them a lot for a, lot, a variety of of different roles on the team and uh without them we wouldn't be as successful as successful as we are without a doubt without a doubt they they play a very prominent role in the success of our team 100
0: yeah uh regarding training could you kind of give as much as you want to share an overview of your training philosophy and then maybe kind of on the topic we've been on uh like where does that differentiate between guys and girls like where are maybe some key differences you've seen through the years
1: um you know with training i think you just have to be i wish i could say we do this all the time but we because it depends on the personality of my team you know uh but for the most part you know people always ask me like are you high mileage are you low mileage what are your philosophies things like that and it was at a clinic one year where a coach and I loved that he said it. He's like, well, as a coach who does the training, you're the chef mm. and you have all of these ingredients and your job is to find the best recipe to make from those ingredients. So when you talk about our philosophy as coaches uh, and, you know, they coach Heather and coach Mack would agree, you know, we take a little bit of Daniels, we take a little bit of Johnson, we take a little bit of Tin Man, and those are probably our three focuses, and, you know, I look at the Daniels book and it's awesome, but am I going to have my girls go out and do 10 by K with the minute rests, you know, in February? Probably not. You know, I just, it just depends what I love about the different things. Like in John, uh, Jack Johnson stuff or uh, not Jay, Jay Johnson, um, Jack Daniels, sorry, is, um, got music on my mind. Um, yeah, you know, I like how he breaks down the calendar with periodization. You want to work on this, this part of the year, this, this part of the year, this is our, so I use that calendar, you know, you get a 24 week and you write the numbers out and you know, this many weeks at phase one, two, three, four, et cetera. I love that part of it. But I also love like, uh, and some coaches are going to some distance coaches are going to laugh. I also like the Tony Holler feed the cat stuff. Like I've fallen now into that. You've got to do fast stuff all year. Now, I'm not talking doing fast 400s all year, but strides, hard strides,
0: yeah.
1: wickets. Um, you know, we, do, we don't do fast stuff every day. Um, I think you had uh, um, the Zionsville coach on who's like, you know, we try to hit all the systems every day. Now, I'm going to be honest. I don't do that every day, but we do wickets you know, three, four days a week. We do strides six, seven days a week. Um, and that's something five, six years ago, I didn't believe it. Like, nope, we're gonna build foundation this, then we're gonna do this. I was like yeah. now, it's kind of all mixed in together and it's been successful for us. I really have seen an improvement uh, for us. Um, but I believe in that periodization. Um, then you have the charts. I love the tin man calculator. That thing, the runfastcoach.com, is unbelievable. And I'm telling you, it's been like to a T for us. Wow. I love his. His CV pace, you know, uh, and I actually I was very fortunate. I got to see him speak one year. It was him, Veal, uh, uh, Jack Daniels. There was this uh, distance symposium in Chicago at North Central College. It was unbelievable. I'm like in there. I'm like, oh my god, these guys. These guys <laughs> you know, it was super cool. Yeah. And you know, of all those coaches, I came away like with Tim and going, wow. And but you know, at the same time, you're like, but you know, he coaches elite athletes. He gets to coach. You know, people are hiring him to coach. But I'm like, there's stuff we can do there. Um, mm-hmm. So we love, I love that 10-man calculator. And I, I use the Jack Daniels calculator. It's like, I like his rep pay stuff, but I love 10-man CV pay stuff. I love a lot of the, the workouts in Daniels, but I don't believe in some of the volume that he does. Mm-hmm. You know, what good are you to me if I can't even get you to the line? You know, uh, uh, and Coach Andy mentioned that. He's like, yeah, we undertrain a little bit because- if you're hurt and you can't even get to the line, what good are you to the team if I can't even get you there? So I'm I'm like him and, and, and the North Central coach as well, if I remember, uh, you know, you kind of keep it, you know, if the book says, you know what, this member, I'm like, yeah, you know what, we're not even going to do half of those repeats. We might do two or three, and then we're going to do some 200s at mile pace or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, so, you know, I really like to take a little bit of that because I think that's the cool thing about being a coach that does training. You can do whatever you want, and you just find what hopefully works for, like I said, the ingredients that you have, and we've been very lucky. I'm not going to lie, you know, I, I think talent plays a huge role, and I've been very fortunate at Valpo to have some very talented girls who have benefited from our program and, and what we do, and, and, it, and, it, and it's worked so far, you know, but I have changed, you know, I, like I said, uh, I was, okay. now, I remember if you would have told me five or six years ago, you're going to be doing 400s in you know, January, I would have been like, no, I'm not, <laughs> we're building foundation and here we are doing twos and fours and, you know, and nothing super crazy, but just enough to, you know, keep those, everything activated at different times. So I don't know if I answered your question. I think I did, but, you know, kind of rambled on a little bit there.
0: Yeah, no, that was great. We're, how do you like, I guess, draw the line between just experimenting and trying new things all the time and then like relying on the, the tried and true tested stuff? Like, how Ooh, do you
1: that's know? a, that's a really, really good question. Um, you know, and, and here's a good example of that. So obviously, you know, we had a really successful four by eight team last year. Um, that was, the the team where I really noticed that that experimenting worked, mm. that doing that fast stuff. Um, prior to them, I thought it was working, but I realized it was like a two, three year process with that group of girls. Mm. And, you know, I, I've been doing wickets for, I mean, we were doing wickets when I was co- assistant coaching with Boomer. So that's something that we've done for a number of years. And I remember the first time I heard that I'm like, why would we run wickets for distance girls? Yeah. But I'm telling you, it helps. It really teaches them how to run upright. You know, I did it all the time with sprint stuff. So I took some of that experimental sprint things and I brought them over and, you know, I've been, I've watched Tony Holler speak before. And, you know, obviously I'm not going to go and have a 20 minute distance practice, you know, I I can't, you know, feed them that way. Like he does, but there's definitely some things that you can take from those things. And like I said, you're the chef you grab it. And sometimes it, honestly, Josh, it's all right, let's see if it works. Mm -hmm. And you know, if it doesn't now we know, and if it does, we just discovered something new. And sometimes you can, you can tell you are like, they're not responding the right way. Let's Mm -hmm. ditch it. Um, But so far, everything that I've, I've kind of thrown at my athletes, they've kind of, enjoyed it they like the change of pace uh you know we even did some sprint workouts last year like that they were and they loved it because how often do distance kids get to I'm like run as fast as you can yeah and they're like what I'm like I go we're spiking up run as fast as you can really yeah and then I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you 12 minutes recovery they're like what (laughs) and they loved it so I think that and then they they're like wow we can run fast Mm-hmm. And then then you get the mental aspect of, it. you know, like, oh, I got some mojo here, I can move, I can, I can move quick. And, you know, then that, the, like I said, you get that mental side of it where they believe I can run fast, mm-hmm. because I do it in practice. And so, you know, and that was one of the uh, there, there's, a, I guess, a secret, you know, if you want to call it a secret, you know, we did some sprint stuff with that four by eight group last year, and it worked. It worked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, it worked.
0: So is that, when you're trying something new, is that something you communicate to your athletes up front? Or is there kind of a trust that's been built? Do they know when new things come? That you um, yeah, they,
1: they, every day, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are yeah. we doing? <laughs> um, and a lot, they'll tell you, I keep a lot of stuff close to my chest because I don't want to freak them out. Because I have, you know, one of the differences of girls, they really like to think about stuff mm. and sometimes overthink it. So sometimes I won't purposely tell them because I know if I tell them, they're going to be thinking about it all day and it's going to drive them crazy. So they'll be like, Hey, coach, what are, you know? I, I have a bunch of my girls that keep their bags in there in my room and they'll come in, they're like, What are we doing for practice? And I'll be like, We're running. I'm like, no, what are we doing? I'm like, We're running. And they're like, Oh, okay, whatever. You know, yeah. but now I'm also like, the Warsaw uh coaches I, I've become good friends with them they post everything online and I think it's awesome you know? and I peek at it every now and then, just see like what are they doing and I think there's a benefit too and like they know all right here's what we're doing for the week so sometimes what I'll do is I'll go to the girls I'm like all right this is our plan for the week this is what we're gonna do on this day and this day um like now with some of the sprint stuff I did I just kind of threw it on them at practice I'm like all right spike up um we're gonna you know run and 50 as hard as you can. And then you're going to walk a lap and then you're going to recover and then redo it again. And then, you know, and they're like, "What? this is weird. And I said they loved it. Um, and they, they come back, you know, are we going to do that workout again? That was so fun. You know, they're, they're like that. So sometimes I'll tell them and, and sometimes I don't, and I'm getting better at telling them, you know, it, cause training doesn't have to be a secret. I mean, let's be honest. We're all doing the same stuff. 95% of the stuff we're doing is all the same. So there really is no secrets, you know, and, and that's why I love our coaching community. You go, to, you go to the clinic and coaches are more than willing to share, you know, Colin at the clinic shares everything that they do. And you're like, you know, you'll get like, wow, you know, and they're like, oh, we do some of that too. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's just, it is what it is. But I, I'm trying to be better with sharing. But, you know, one of my, you know, at the end of the year, we have a senior banquet and all the seniors, they get, everyone gets dressed up and we have dinner and they give senior speeches. And one of my my JV runners, you know, when they're thanking, and they usually thank the coaches. And she's like, you know, and I want to thank Coach A for all he's done. And he's, she's like, and he's such a control freak. And you know, everyone starts <laughs> laughing. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, no, no, no. I mean it in a good way. He wants to see us, you know. He keeps it under control because he wants to see speed <laughs> and things like that. But it, it was pretty fun. I'm like, yeah. She's right. I, I do. I, I I like to to be that way. So
0: yeah. So. You obviously had a bunch of success with the four by eight last year. Do you train your girls differently for specific events, or you keep them all together for distance?
1: Um, it, you, so you're talking specifically in track. Um, last year, you know, I trained a lot of my girls, like 800, 1600 girls, even my two milers mm-hmm. Now there are a couple workouts throughout the the like the especially when we get into like probably after spring break. So you get in April, that competitive season. Then I started to differentiate a little bit. Um, but, you know, I have, I believe in, in order to run fast, you have to run fast. Mm. Um, you know, I, I'm a belief that we get a lot of the aerobic stuff we need doing aerobic runs. Um, and, and I know there are a lot of coaches out there that would be like, he's crazy, whatever. Uh, and, and I get that. Um, but there were, of course, I differentiated, you know, that there were some days where the 800 girls were doing, 200s and 300s and 400s, and my, you know, 3200 girls were doing, you know, K repeats or 1200s or something like that, and and at different paces. Mm -hmm. Um, I do differentiate for every single girl, um, but I will tell you what I did last year is sometimes I would have, I'd move the 800 girls and have them do work with the 3200 girls. Sometimes I'd grab Mm -hmm. the 3200 girls, but like everybody, we're doing what i would consider at 800 1600 workout today And i throw everybody in there and you know now everyone had different splits and things like that um but i think again it goes back to being a chef You mix it up and you experiment and you see what happens and you know for the most part i think distance runners they do like to run that's one of the fun parts of running track is because let's be honest track eh. <laughs> you know most <laughs> of us distance guys love cross country
2: right, right. Uh, we have
1: a love-hate <laughs> relationship with track um, but they, track offers you the opportunity to do different things, and I, I, that's what I do like about training with track. Is you can mix it up, and you know we, we're going to do this. Or we're going to you know we're going to run really fast for this hundred, and then we're going to back off here, and then we're going to run really fast here. You know, different. Yeah, we did one workout last year, and I don't remember the exact workout, but I had the girls run a mile, then they came back, and then we did some fast repeats. Then they went out and run another mile, came back, did something. It's a basic workout, nothing crazy. And at the end of that day, you would have thought I gave all of them a million dollars. They thought it was the most, they're like, can we do this every week? I'm like, we can do it every week, but no, maybe we'll do it again in 10, 14 days. And they just loved it because it was different and they Mm. really felt like it. Like I said, I think there's that mental side of it where they go, whoa, I ran, I just ran a, you know, 232 seconds, not that's faster, you know, uh, you know, I'm tired and my legs feel like crap, but you know, this was really cool.
0: Yeah. Do you, do you feel like a key to you growing as a coach is, is being more confident as that chef, like trusting your instinct, like, okay, mate, I think I, the girls need this or that, and just kind of running with it?
1: That's when it clicks for you as a coach. Mm-hmm. When you can, you just go, we're going to do this, and I know we're going to nail it. Mm-hmm. you know, Or, or you design a, a workout, and they go out and kill it. Those are my favorite days where you just design... And They hit the splits, or they 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 come out, and I go, "Can you do more?" And they go, "Yeah." And you're like, "Oh, we are there. We're right where we need to yeah. be." And that comes with time. I mean, just like you know, as a young coach, you know, when I first started, like I said, I was very organized. We're doing this on this day. I don't care how you feel, things like that, because there probably was a lack of confidence there. There's probably mm-hmm. nerves. Like I said, I've just been given the keys to the Ferrari. I don't want to wreck it. Yeah. And as you just get older, you just become more confident and and you can say this worked I think it can work for this group because this group reminds me of that group
2: and Mm -hmm. you know
1: a few of our girls are runner junkies so they know about the history of Valpo they're on mile split and all those websites and looking at times and stuff like that so they get it and you know I, I think they 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 kind of like it but I I do I'm very confident when I present stuff which then again back to the mental side it gets them believing in it as well and I think for any athlete, male or female, that's half the battle. If the kid thinks, that athlete thinks and knows they can do it, man, you're golden. You're gonna, you're gonna do some great things with them.
0: Definitely. So what about the flip side of this coin, which is culture? Um, what is your, I guess, what are some key parts of your cultural philosophy? How has that been developed over the years? Um, anything you wanna share about that?
1: Um, you know, with, with our culture, it starts with the coaches you know, uh, there's that, 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 that great quote from, remember the Titans, you know, uh, attitude reflects leadership or leadership reflects, I forget what it is. I think I wrote it down to you. Um, attitude reflects leadership, you know, that's, it starts with us, but after that it's on the team, you know, they're the ones I I don't re I don't recruit girls. Now I tell my, I'm not going, if you come to me and be like, I don't know if I'm going to run cross country. I'm like, all right, good luck with what you do going back to what we talked about at the beginning, you know, do whatever you need to do. Yeah. I, I, my girls know, I will not beg you to be a part of this team because you have to be, you have to want to be a part of Valpo cross country. Um, you know, we have before every team huddle, we go one team, one dream, one family. We yell it as hard as, as loud as we can. And that model was there before I even got there. You know, we, our Instagram, I'm pretty active with the, our Instagram account. And I can remember just last year, one of the alumni who was a stud back, I think it was Jill Scully, who was a beast in the 2000s. She says, I'm so happy you guys are still using that motto. And I'm like, oh, we will use it forever because it really, you know, going back to the senior speech, we had a girl this year. Um, her name was Olympia. And Olympia was kind of a 12, 13, 14 girl. She ran a couple of varsity races in her four years, but she did experience the postseason. And, you know, in her speech, she kind of starts. she goes, when I came to Valpo High School and I heard this one team, one dream, from one family, she goes, I thought it was a bunch of, and she said BS, <laughs> but she said the actual word in front of all the parents and everyone starts laughing. And she goes, now that my four years is over, I know that it's a hundred percent true. And, you know, that as a coach, I get emotional, even thinking about it. That's what it's about. You know, mm-hmm. it's about creating this atmosphere, helping create, it. like I said, it's the girls who create it. Where girls are coming out of the woodwork to join your team because they've heard that it's this, and I hate fam. You know, you hear the word family atmosphere. You know, it's so <laughs> overused and it's so cliche. But it's just, it's a supportive atmosphere. It's an atmosphere where we want everyone to feel welcome everyone to have a voice, whether you have a voice, because, you know, uh, and the team that's 50 girls, you have girls that are really quiet. Like, mm. You're shocked that they even say anything. And you've got a girl who won't be quiet the entire <laughs> run, yeah. you know, and you, but you want everyone to feel a part of it. You know, it's not, everyone's not equal because, you know, there's hierarchies that exist, everything, mm-hmm. but you want to feel everyone's a part of it. And I think our team does a really, really good job of that. And I'm super, super proud of that. I'll tell you a quick story, and I didn't include this. So I'm sure you know who Karen DeVries was, a yeah. um, you know, famous coach. I, I never met Coach DeVries. I coached against her when I was at Portage a little bit. You know, I was a sprints coach. She was a distance coach. Um, and, of course, she passed away uh, recently in the last two years. And the only time I ever was actually really near her was um, there was also a coach named Coach Mick Cavanaugh, who was at Portage as well back in the 70s. When he left, that's when Coach Wilkie took over, and those first couple state champ, that first couple of state championships. A lot of say, people say that those were mixed guys. Coach just kind of was handed the keys of the Lamborghini, and you know, and and and, and then Coach Kavanaugh went to Valpo. Coach with Coach DeVries, and he was the assistant coach during all those state championships. So mm-hmm. you had, and he he does not get enough credit as just being one of the best coaches in Indiana. He's just, yeah. but people around here know who he is, um, and him and Coach DeVries were just a force together. Um, but he came back and coached with us for a couple of years as well. I got to coach with him for for uh, two years. Well, he uh, passed away from cancer as well a few years ago, and it was at his. Uh, they had a service with, for him before he passed away. So we we all went to the local YMCA, and Coach Kavanaugh was there, and you know he was still as. <laughs> He was a spicy guy, as spicy as normal. And his <laughs> former runners, I mean, guys from back in the sixties and seventies were going up and telling stories really cool. And yeah. a couple couple weeks later, he did pass away. That was the only time I've ever really been around post degrees. Long story short, uh, when we had heard what was going on with her, you know, I, we bought a card. I had all the girls sign it. I wrote her a letter and I sent it to her. And uh, I won't go into a lot of details, but I never heard back from her and I didn't expect to because of things. Well, this year at the state finals, I'm going to get emotional talking talk about this. Um, I, we just were announced that we finished top 10, which we ran our butts off at the state finals and cross. I, we, I thought maybe 13th or 14th and to mm-hmm. finish where we did, I was so proud of that team. So I'm walking, I was talking with some parents in the parking lot and I'm walking back by the ward Santa. And I walked away because I just had like a wave of emotion. I just had to decompress. And I make eye contact with this man, and he was standing next to this young woman, and they're like, "Great job, Coach A," and I'm like, "Thank you so much." And we're staring at each other, and he goes, "You don't know who I am, do you?" I go, "I go, should I?" I go, no, "I don't." And he goes, "I'm I'm Mr. Devries. I'm Coach Devries's husband." And I went, wow. "I'm like, whoa," and we both start crying, like, and you know, he hugged me. I get emotional thinking about it, and. He said, we've come the last few weeks and watched you guys run at New Prairie and we went to the sectional regional. And he goes, I don't even care how good you guys were this year. He goes, and you guys were very good. He goes, but my wife would be most proud of the culture <clears throat> that you've created here. And you've yeah. kept that going. And that's, um, sometimes you need affirmation.
0: Yeah. And
1: that was the moment where I'm like, we're doing it the right way. And I will try, I mean, the fact that I'm even sharing it is, is weird but I'll treasure that moment forever. Like that was a big deal for him to, to seek me out, to tell me that was, I mean, even now, I, this has happened months ago. And, and I was going through some things at, the, at that time as well. And I probably needed to hear that. And for, for it to come from a stranger, a, a man I've never met in my life, um, it just meant the world to me. I mean, and, and, and that's when I knew we're doing it the right way. And yeah. he, he's like, you couldn't even made it to the state finals. He goes, I would have seeked you out and told you that you're doing it the right way. And, and he's like, my wife would be very proud of you. And he said, you know, we were, that letter was wonderful. And he goes, thank you. And he goes, I hope you didn't think we were rude for not responding. But, you know, we, there, I'm like, there are things going on. Don't worry about it. But yeah, you know, I, I, did, I was wondering if I wanted to share that story. and But that's, that is not me. That's my girls and my assistant coaches and my parents they create that culture you know it's not me
0: yeah what what is it that he saw in your team your culture that really stuck out to him
1: I think uh, you know I didn't ask him for specifics because you know it was just such a, a, a moment but mm. you know our girls let's be I'm gonna be honest Valpo has kind of like you know, a lot of times people refer to Valpo as like the caramel of the region, you know, and, and we're not. And we're not. That's that's two totally different schools. It's different. And, and I'm sure there, you know, we live as a great community. It's a very run-oriented community There's a lot of people that know about running here. It's 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 a great community to live in. And so you kind of have that persona. Going back to the I was telling you about how we try to create a culture of support you know, it's funny, this is happening on, you know, International Women's Day, because I think that's a big Mm -hmm. deal to, 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 to that, to the community, and and about support. And my girls cheer for everyone,
2: Mm.
1: whether they're wearing red, purple, green, yellow. And he, he, he did mention he noticed that. Mm. And he said, that's a, that's a wonderful thing that your girls will cheer on a girl from Noblesville or a girl from Zionsville. And Josh, I can't tell you how many times I've had parents from other schools come up to me and say, your girl's inspired, I had inspired me to run. Mm. Or, you know, I've, we've gotten the IHSA sportsmanship pin a couple times mm. uh, sent to our school because I remember one of my girls, Aaliyah Mayer, was, we were at running at Manchester and I wasn't even there. I was at the state preview meet. And there was one girl running the course, and my girl Leah stayed there and cheered her all the way in. Wow. And the Manchester coach wrote the I to say, said, I've, I've, this was one of the most amazing things that I, you know, this was really cool. This Valpo girl stayed behind to cheer this girl on. And it happens a lot to us. I mean, I always get parents that come up to us and say, Your girls really inspire other people. And I think that's, that's not me. That's them. Yeah. That's them coming from, you know, great families and, 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 and I granted, I push it. I'm like, Hey, we're going to cheer on everybody, all your teammates and you, and, and we do, you know, even today we were running and my girls, uh, I was running with that group and at one point they passed the boys up and they're like, coach, what do we say to the boys? Do we say good job? Do we say <laughs> hi? And I'm like, we treat it like a regular meet. Do you look at good job guys? Keep going, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's, I think that's might might have what pushed what he saw and you know we go to the state meet and you know for teams in the north going to Terre Haute's hard that's a hard trip going to Bloomington for track is a hard I mean that's you know I saw someone post on the message board like oh we can't be there because that's too hard and I'm like we do it every fall and every spring <laughs> yeah. we travel five six hours on a bus and you know we still we'll get 40 girls down there cheering us on and we don't take a fan bus they have to find their own transportation there they pay their own ticket and every year we take a big team picture and there's my girls with wigs on and you know two, tutus on and their faces are painted and you know and and it's because you know they want to be there cuz i i like to think that they they feel they're a part of it all the way, you know. I love what Colin does. How at Carmel, he's like, "If you want to keep training, keep training."
2: Mm.
1: We can't do that. I can't get a bus and take. Off. You know, it just it's it's hard to do something like that. Um, and I admire that they they do that. But our girls will stick around for you know, and that shows every year. They you know. Go to the track state finals. I mean, we had a huge Valpo contingent there mm. for the, those girls that made it down there next. And, and it's not because we were going to, you know, we thought we were going to win, which I didn't think we were going to win, honestly. Um, <laughs> it, it just, I think that's what we talk about. And then, and I, as I told you, every year I get girls from other teams that join our program and they're like, I wish I would have done, you know, I have a girl right now, Liv Hatch, who's going to be, she's, she's been with me. This was her first year. And she finished, did a repeat the other, and she just runs so smooth. You just like, oh mm-hmm. and she got done. I go, why haven't you been here all four, you know all three years? She goes, I don't know, coach. She goes, I regret it every day of practice. She goes, I've <laughs> been running from me. I'm like, yeah, you should have, you know, you yeah. know. So, and she, I, I look at her and Brooke Bivol. Those were girls that did other sports and came to us, and, and that happens every year. And these girls become, they become varsity contributors because they're athletes, you know, they just need that, that, that change that they, they need that recipe. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's a, a big part, you know, I love what coach Lindsay does at Chesterton. She does so much fun stuff that I look at their Instagram. I'm like, oh, I need to do that. The Lake central coaches do that. I'm like, oh, we need to do that, but uh-huh. I'm not the fun coach, you know, so yeah. I'll, I'll send it to Heather and coach Mack like, Hey, like this is something we should think about doing. But I, I think, you know, and I think all distance programs and cross-country programs, Let's be honest, our sport's special. Hmm. I mean, how often on the same day does a girl that can run 17 minutes is running on the same course at the same time of a girl that runs 35 minutes?
2: Right.
1: No other sport that happens. And the cool thing about running, everybody knows that's participating, knows the exact pain that you're going through has the same thoughts are going through. And that creates such a bond of all runners and i tell our girls we're going to share that with everyone as many people as possible so you know like i said uh, that was back to coach DeBreeze's husband that was just I'll, I'll treasure that moment forever i I could retire tonight and i would be like <laughs> i did all right you know I, i'd be cool for 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 that family to say that to me mm. um, was just something i'll cherish forever
0: yeah you said with what mr DeBreeze said to you that affirmation like meant a lot um I think coaching definitely can be a pretty thankless job at times, but the times when you're, you're wondering if you're making an impact, if you're, when you're wondering like why you're doing what you're doing, what, uh, what gets you through or how do you manage that?
1: <laughs> oh man, there, there are, there are days that you just, there are days that, how do I put this? The coaching part of it is something I look to, forward to every day, you know? Now, when you're talking about when there are bad days, like at school, I look forward to practice
2: because
1: mm. I'm going to meet with 30 to 50 girls who they may not want to be there, but they're there because they know they need to be there.
2: Mm.
1: And, you know, it, it, it's something you get there and they're laughing or they're smiling or they're listening to music and it just kind of changes the mood. But You know, there are days where even coaching is hard. And you know, it goes back to my being tough things. Sometimes you just gotta just gotta get through it. And you know, let's be honest with running. Some days you get up, you don't want to run, but you go, I gotta go run. And then you get going and you're like and you get done, you're like, I'm so glad I did that. You know, and and there's uh it's like that with coaching where you know you you're having that day and you're like, How am I gonna get through this? And sometimes you Maybe you go to practice and I go, Coach Heather and Matt, take this group, I'll take this group. You know, I just need a break. I want to work with these girls today or run practice today. I'm just gonna watch. You know, I need to decompress or you know, when you have coaches you trust, you can do those things. And you know, sometimes you do you do need a break. And and like you said, it's a it's sometimes it's a thankless job. Now I've been very fortunate at Valpo and Portage to have parents that will send me emails. Um, I had one parent uh, one year sent. you know, she had a a son that ran for Aaron and a a daughter that ran for me. And she emailed our superintendent. and was like, these two coaches are, you know, are doing such good things for our kids. And, you know, that's great. And and, and those are the days, like, you're like, you get a, you get an email and you're, oh, you know, can I get in trouble? And then you're like, oh my God, (laughs) that's, that's too cool. You know? And that helps, you know, when you can see a parent and they laugh at you or they grab you and go, hey, I really like uh, you know, I'm thankful for what you did or, you know, when that senior leaves and their parents grab you and they go, you know, we don't know where our daughter would be without your program, without you and coach Heather and coach Mac. you know, you know, we don't know where our daughter would be and, you know, we're, we're so thankful for that. So that kind of stuff gets you through it. And then there's, you know, the, the I think I told you, you know, when, when I'm feeling really down, I jump on YouTube and I watch that four by eight video and it puts me in a. <laughs> it to me in a good mood right away you there, know, you know it, I- because it it just you know it may it make you go all right you know here we go but you know you gotta you gotta find those high points and those good moments to get you through those rough and, and you reflect you know you just look back and go hey the today sucked but look what i've done or, or look what we've done as a staff or look what this girl did on this day it's working you're doing okay tomorrow's a new day the sun's going to come up. you got to start over and you know you know you hope that those things over time they fade away and and they do, you know, like anything, time heals all.
0: For sure. Yeah. I've been pretty amazed. Like kind of, like you said, the, the affirmation, the compliments don't come every single day. Um, I think that's true across all life. Like even when I'm thinking about myself, my interactions with like my friends, people I care about, like I'm not, and I I should be, (laughs) I'm saying that should be better about it, but I'm not like complimenting them and um, affirming them every single day. But like when it does come, it means like, so much just to know because there are there are definitely days where you're like why am i doing this am i actually making an impact in these kids lives like am i actually building relationships and then, like to hear that i am it's like it means yeah. so much it, it,
1: it's what keeps you going i mean you know every year i'm amazed by when those girls i mentioned the banquet when they give their senior speeches they never talk about prs they never mm. talk about this awesome race they have they talk about the crazy bus ride we had on coming home from this meet or when coach A was driving the minibus and the buzzer wouldn't shut off. And we had to drive all the way back from new Prairie with the buzzer going on. Or <laughs> the one time we all went to Culver's app, you know, they talk about, and that's what you want. You don't want them to be like, Oh, I remember in new my sophomore year at new Prairie, I ran 1705 and da, da, da. you know, <laughs> you want to hear the, and that's when, you know, it's, it's been a good experience when they can mm. take, you know, I'm, Every year, I'm amazed. They never talk about races. It's always we did this or when Coach A, you know, dressed up like this or that, you know, it, it, and it's it's super cool. That's when you know it's like, all right, you know, and but let's cross country is such a special and unique sport, you know, and you know, and distance running and, and running track too, I guess, you know, but you know, on track it's very it's different, you know, there's yeah. different groups and things like that. So
0: absolutely. So I want to get into kind of the theme discussion here with like life as a coach outside of just practice uh i guess a question to kick things off uh how much time do you would you say you spend on i guess coaching related things outside of practice and and what are those things what does life outside of practice look like for you
1: as far as doing coaching related things or uncoaching related things
0: i guess let's let's tie them both together like what uh how much time are you spending on coaching related things and maybe what are some things that you enjoy doing outside of coaching that
1: yeah uh, you know as i've gotten older i'll be honest that time has gotten less you know you it's like anything the more you do something the easier it goes i can i could probably whip out a notebook right now and i i write next week's training out completely <laughs> it just comes second nature you know where back in the day i might have to go get the daniels book look up and look at like 10 different workouts all right which one's gonna fit best all right this girl's gonna do this many you know it just, it's become less. Now, am I gonna lie? No, there's still a lot of time, you know, I come home, you know, track season's the worst, because, you know, especially after, during the postseason, you come home, then top on the computer, you're watching all the results from all the different sectionals Mm -hmm. and regionals, and looking at callbacks and things like that, Um, you know, and you just learn how to kind of organize your time better, you know, I make sure that You know there are days though i'll be you know my boss is probably wondering but there are days where like my plan is spent doing cross-country stuff or track stuff like it's i'm getting lineups ready for my head coach or you know i've got to call this vendor because you know we didn't get these shirts in and things like that and then you know you got to grade papers and write your lesson plan for the day and things like that so it's gotten less but i'd say probably on average i'm probably out of you know 15 to 20 additional hours a week doing cross-country stuff now a lot of it is self-imposed. You know, one of the things I pride myself on, and I'm sure, I, again, it's nothing special. I think a lot of coaches do this, but I individualize our training and, you know, it, we might be doing the same workout or I might be having four or five different workouts going on at once. And guess what? I've given every girl every time for every single split that they need to be hitting. And wow. when you're doing that for 50 kids, it's a lot of time. You know, uh, one of my one of my dads, uh, who's a, a senior girl, uh, Grace Thomas is uh, one of my girls and she, she had a tremendous fall. Um, you know, he tweeted a tweet out. He's like, Coach A has you know, done you know, 1,776 splits for my daughter in four years. You know, I, I saw the tweet and I had no idea. And I saw him like, Matt, what are you doing, man? And it made <laughs> me laugh, but then you see the sheer numbers and you go, yeah, I have done that. You know, I've, I've you know, Aww. sat down in front of an Excel sheet for three hours you know, planning out all these workouts. So sometimes it can be, you know, you know, I'll plug in every girl's time in the 10 man calculator or in the, the Jack Daniels calculator to get the splits and things like that. You know, I, cause I'm not that Excel savvy where I can put the formulas in and it does it for you. Um, uh, maybe I need to find a coach that does that as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it's still a lot of time, but then, you know, some days you just got to come home and you just decompress, you know, I'll, throw on a vinyl and listen to that, or, you know, um, you know, I listen to music, I play music as well. So I'll play my guitar for a couple hours or, uh, you know, or just watch Netflix, you know, it's just normal stuff. I've been known to just sit on the couch and just go and just stare at the wall for, you know, 20 minutes and just be like, man, that was a day, you know, you know, there's just always something, something more you can do. And, and, you know, I think you and I hit on that especially for a young coach, you can't let this like envelop you and and take you completely over because it'll drive you mad. And, you know, especially if you dedicate, you know, where I feel really bad for folks is if they dedicate all this time into something and then they don't see the results and then they think they failed and it's just, you didn't fail. It just, it just didn't work. You know, it doesn't mean you're a failure and you suck at what you do. It's just, maybe it was, it was the wrong recipe for the ingredients, Mm. you know, go back to the drawing board and and figure it out. but, you know, a big part of that is just sometimes decompressing, you know, going to, you know, going to a, somewhere to listen to live music or, you know, I'll take my guitar and I'll go to a open mic and play music there and just kind of just get my mind off of it. Because, you know, at a place like Valpo, there there's there's self-imposed pressure. You know, when you look at, you know, I go in the, the hallway and I see all those state championships and, you know, I've never come close to winning a Cross country championship, or even, you know, we come close to meddling, but we haven't meddled. And you see that and you go, I want that for these kids. You know, how do I get us there again? And, 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 you know, we've come close to meddling, but we've never come close to winning. Um, and, you know, sometimes I'm like, damn, what am I doing that's wrong? You know, or, you know, but you, you just can't let it. I've learned not to let that like drive me crazy. Like just sometimes you just, like you said earlier, go with your gut, write it out. Go with it, see what happens. If it works, it works. If not, you know, it is what it is. You know, at the end of the day, we coach high school kids in a high school sport and it's more than running. It's more than training. It's about the experience that you can provide for them.
0: Hmm.
1: Are they and, saying, are
0: they... Oh, go ahead. And,
1: and, and just for, for the coaches, sometimes you need to take a break from that. You know, hmm. I I have no problem saying, I'll see you guys in two weeks or got the next two weeks off. I'm I'm out. You know where I'm at but don't even run for two weeks I'm not, I'm out I'll see you guys soon and and they get it they totally get it
0: yeah are these lessons that you've learned over time like how what was your I guess first year head coach self like was it kind of like you said enveloped your life
1: a lot? yeah because you know and I'll go back to coaching track because that was my first head coach job at Portage and being a head coach of track is totally different monster. I mean, you are, you're doing, you're doing everything. You're finding volunteers, you're getting workers, you're doing entering and direct athletics. It's, it was crazy. And I did, I let it take over too much of my life. And at that time I was, I would had, I was married. I'm not, I'm not married anymore. Um, We had a baby, my daughter. So this was, 11 10 11 years ago you know i took the track job because coaches have egos and you go i can do that you know (laughs) and you know you know this i did kind of want to feel like what is but you know you go and meet with them and they show you what that job pays and you see that zero there and you're like oh i can definitely try that (laughs) not even knowing the amount of work that went into it and that first year it was, it was one of the hardest years of my life. And then, you know, those that know me know I, I got a divorce and I'm not saying it was because of track. I would never say it was because of coaching, but I will say that definitely coaching played a part in it because I directed so much of my time, extra time to coaching. You know, I'd come home, we eat and I'd open up the laptop, start typing up workouts, this lineups, all that stuff and it takes a toll on you and it takes a toll on your relationships that you have with people especially your close ones and you know at, at some point you know when all of that finally fell apart and it was over i look you, you learn you look back and you go i could have done so much better and i'm not saying again it's not because it happened there there's always things that go on but you know i you know, my lack of organizational skills and time management probably played a role in it and it was only because, you know, if you think to traditional roles, my theory, my view at the time was, I'm the dad, I'm the husband, I need to be the provider, so mm-hmm. I need to work, and I need to do whatever I can to make sure that my family is good. So I'm going to coach two sports, I'm going to teach summer school, I'm going to play guitar on the weekends to make extra cash, mm-hmm. and you do all these things, and you realize you're neglecting those that you love your family and things because you're just busy and then when I do want to decompress guess what I want to do i want to go for a run because I need to clear my mind and you know I think you know life is full of regrets and you know I I definitely should have and could have done things much better back then you know and you know I always laugh that you know sometimes the the best people to talk about suffer are the the people that have failed at those things you know And and I and I look you know there are lots of coaches I mean that have successful families. I look at coach Craig, he's got a loving wife, beautiful children, and he pulls it off. And and I look at him sometimes and I go, how are you pulling this off? You know, you know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time. And that would be like, you know, especially if it's a young coach in their early twenties or a coach like me that comes in at thirties, you have to make sure that you got your stuff in line. And, you know, I think uh, coach Andy said it best. You need to be where your feet are. And mm. I, when he said that, I was like, I fell out of my chair. I was like, whoa, that's exactly what it is. Wherever you are physically at, you need to be there. You need to be there. And I think every coach should take that. We should put that on T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> when he said that, I, then my mind went, wow, that is that's heavy. And he nailed it. You need to be. And I wish I would have heard that, you know? 20 years ago, or whenever it was, but you know it. That this was the plan that I was made, and you know, I get the cards you're dealt, and you you go with it, you know. Yeah. But it, you have to be careful because it can it can take over if you're if you're not. I and mean, you're a young guy, you you probably see it, you know.
0: Yeah. So part of what sparked I don't know this interview going on and our conversation line was you'd reached out, you'd heard me talk about like potentially wanting to be a head coach in the future and then also like the relationships that I have in my life that are really important to me. And you're like, as someone who's walked down this road, I just wanna you just wanted to share your life experience with me. And I really appreciated that. But I guess maybe talking to me or even going back and talking to your um your younger self. And you've kind of touched on some of these things, but maybe what advice would you give a young head coach starting out and and balancing wanting to be the best coach they can be, but also valuing other things as you know relationships and hobbies and things
1: yeah um (laughs) it's a big question yeah that's it how much time do we have right i know Um, (laughs) you know right off the bat you've gotta i'm trying to i'm trying to figure out how to put this into good words um you got to be patient Mm -hmm. you got to understand that you part of the patience is just listening and learning. And part of it is like I said, organization and time management, you know, as, as, as coach said last, like, I don't know if that was last podcast or a podcast ago, you know, be where your feet are, you know, make sure that wherever you're at, that's where your attention is because it's, it sucks to be, I mean, we all have been there where you're with someone, but they're not there. They're like, they're somewhere else. And that's what I would tell my young self, I would tell my young self, make sure you get really good assistant coaches, find the best people out there that compliment you and maybe are different than you um, to bring in different perspectives, because it's going to help because let's be honest, all the kids on your team aren't going to be the same. Mm. (laughs) And a lot of the kids on the team, you're not going to have anything in common. with. They may be into different stuff that you have no idea what they're into. And then uh, probably the biggest thing is make time for your personal, for yourself and your personal relationships. You know, you're going to come home from practice in the summer at at six o'clock when you've been outside since three o'clock and it's 95 degrees and you may be asked to take the dog for a walk or go for a walk, do it. Mm -hmm. You're going to be tired, but do it. You know, you might be asked to start the grill up and cook do it, you know, whatever it is to help that relationship or those personal relationship that it is because you can't let the job mean be, be more hours than it, than it should. And it's very easy in coaching to do that, that you do make those, you can come home and do track and cross country stuff for another five, six hours. It, like I said, it can totally engulf your, your life. And before, you know it, the day's over and you're like, crap, I haven't even talked to my kid today, or I haven't done this today, or, you know. And, you know, the things around the house, that that stuff can wait too. Because guess what? If the dishes aren't done. They're probably still going to be there tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, maybe going out to lunch with your brother, mm. that's not going to be there. Or, you know, y- your mom says, hey, we're in the neighborhood. Can we stop by? No, I'm too busy. No, no, come on by. You know, you know, mm. things like that. Or your friends call you up. Hey, we're going downtown. Why don't you meet us downtown to, you know, hang out? You know, do that stuff that you find joy in as well. Because if you're happy on that end, you're gonna figure out on, on the professional side how to do those things. Because you know, with coaching, it's it's highs, the highs are highs and the lows can be real low if you're not careful. And then you start to question everything that's going on in your life. Like, am I doing anything right? And, and you just have to be very careful to make sure that you're taking care of yourself, but you're also taking care of others. And maybe you have to be a little selfish. Maybe you say, you know what? We're not practicing tomorrow. I got to go. I'm taking my kid to great America, you know, yeah. or something like you know, that happened a couple of weeks ago where um, I was uh, president's weekend and, you know, track season had started. And I got very lucky. My, uh, my, my coach, Heather, and her husband had some Blackhawk tickets to go to the United Center for, um, for the day. And the arena was open. The locker room was open. And they're like, take AJ and i'm like heck yeah i text told the girls on thursday i go we are not practicing monday i'm spending the day with aj and we went to that's my daughter I, I don't know if i said that um and we went to chicago spent the day at the united center went out for pizza she thought it was so cool to be in a big arena and you know be in the locker room and go to the press box and it was a awesome day i don't know 10 15 years, if i would have done that i'm like ah we can't i got practice yeah you know and you got to do those things because that time is, you know, I'm learning that time's precious. You know, I know they're you know, my daughter's twelve; she's gonna be teenagers. There's gonna be days she, mm. pretty soon, she ain't gonna want to hang out with me. You know, she's she already getting to that point where she's like, "Oh, Dad, I don't know," you know. I, can you take me to the football game instead? You know, I'm like, "Oh, you know." But uh, we were all that age; we know what it's like.
0: Mm-hmm. I I think one of maybe the hardest parts of life is like having good intentions, but them playing themselves out in a perceived negative way maybe because i was thinking about when you were talking about like you were coaching or two coaching jobs you're trying to make extra money on the weekend and summer and you're doing all this like in your mind for the good of your family making extra money trying to support them but maybe in reality that's not exactly what they needed at that time like how how do you i don't know how do you like guard against that how do you just become aware of you know I have the, i'm trying to be the best coach i can be the best um you know man and father and person for my family but it's not necessarily playing itself out like i wanted to like how
1: yeah or do you how do you make yourself aware of it if you figure out the answer to that question you're going to make millions of dollars and write a <laughs> write a book because I, I don't obviously i don't know the answer to that because i haven't been very good at it and, you know you know i would say maybe we call up coach craig or you know coach andy from garen or you know um any number of coaches who have been in those relationships for long periods of time. You know, I I think there's, you have to be self-aware of what you're doing. You know, maybe you need to take out a notebook and like, all right, on Saturday, I'm doing this. And then I'm doing this with my family. On Sunday, I'm doing this. Maybe it takes that. Uh, Maybe it's calling a coach up who's has, you think has figured it out. And you sit down and just ask that same question. How have you done it? How have you been able to manage your time. And I bet most of those coaches will say it's not easy. It's really, really hard. It's really, it's work. You know, I bet. And and, and to the benefit of those coaches, I bet they have partners that understand what they're doing. You know, yeah. I, I think that's a big part of it too. You have to have uh, you know, you're, you're a young man. You mentioned that you're uh, you think like you said you're involved in a relationship. I think that's why I reached out to you because you said you're involved in a relationship, you mm-hmm. know, your, your significant other has to understand, you know, I don't know how you would say, but babe, this is what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I know I'm, I, I, I'm going to try to do my best to be good at it and be good to you at the same time. And maybe you re- tell her if I'm doing too much, you need to tell me, and I'm not going to take offense to that. Because I know you, I need to be a part over here as well. And, you know, but I also need to be do this as well. And you're right. You hit it on the head where I really did. I thought I was doing all of the right things for my family. And, you know, maybe I, ultimately I wasn't. And, you know, it, it was, it was a, a bad situation for me back then. And, you know, it, it, it's everything's okay now, but, you know, it, 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 was, it was a very rough time. And because I didn't know what I, I thought, like you said, I had good intentions. I wasn't out to, you know, purposely hurt anyone, but, you know, you just kind of get that one track. This is my job. I need to do this. That's all I'm doing when, you know, it maybe it's just a matter of, you know, and, you know, like I said, you have to have someone that also understands what you're doing. And and you know, maybe that's prior to getting really in having that relationship, you go, I'm a coach, you know, we coach 10 months out of the year, you know, I've got all this time that I have to do this and that. Can you handle that? Or are you not? Can you handle it? Are you willing to work with me so we can make this work? Because it's a team effort. You know, I I was watching the Chris Rock special the other day. And he said, you know, relationships aren't hard. You know, they're hard if one person's doing all the work. But if both of you, you know, he's Mm -hmm. like, it's if you try to move a couch and one person tries to move it, guess what? It's hard work. But if you get another person there to help you move it, it's easy. And, you know, it was one of those. I was like, you're right. You know, and, and I think sometimes, you know, and that's a hard conversation to have. You know, mm, hey, sure. this is what I do. Or, you know, oftentimes people say, well, they, you know, they know you're a coach. They know." And I think a lot of people that don't do what we do, they don't know all the work that goes into it you know they don't know the countless hours the getting home from a track meet at 10 30 at night they're like what school ends at 2 30 why are you getting home at 10 30 well i had a track meet da, da, da. you know i think a lot of people that aren't in our club whatever you want they okay. don't know the hours that are put in they really don't know the the back in it and you have to have people that understand that
0: you know? yeah i think that communication piece is so huge like i try to I don't know. Like she, she always hates when I, I'll ask her, like, I have, you know, have a meet this weekend. Is it cool that I go to it? Like, she's never going to say no, but just like the act of like trying to consider her as much as possible. Then I think also something I'm learning is like with, with less time, because coaching takes up so much time, the time that I do spend with the people I care about specifically, Emily, like, I want to try to make it as quality as possible. Like, I think even like even if I didn't coach and I was just spending like hours and hours with her, but they were terrible and I wasn't caring about her or being present, like where my feet are, like that's not more valuable than a couple of like really good hours mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. I think those are, like yeah, a few pieces that are huge, but it's it's tough, <laughs> and I'm yeah. just an assistant coach and I'm already seeing yeah, just how it, much time it
1: takes. a Lot a lot of time. I mean, it's a lot of hours. It's a lot of time, and like you said quality is a big deal but you know it's hard you know when you think about you know especially track season you'll leave at five six o'clock in the morning and you don't get home till five six o'clock and you're exhausted and you know you're like no I really don't want to go out to dinner or I just want to hang out at home but sometimes you're gonna you know you're, you're gonna learn and and I find you know some of the coaches that I talk to and, and as I told you you know a lot of us talk about this stuff behind the scenes it's it's like it's weird it's one of those things that everyone knows about but no one talks about it because for whatever reasons and you know you know you talk to coaches and they go yeah it's hard man and and, you know I'm always I love when I see my buddies who are married or are in relationships and their significant others are at the meets or they're there with their kids and I'm like that's cool now it's a a family thing and yeah you're working but you still got your your units there and and you know you know I think that's a big deal because then at least you're sharing and they know what's going on and and they you know that's when you know they understand it, you know. and then there are lots, you know lots of friends who are, are doing it the right way. Mm. Um, and it's just, you know, it's like, well, I didn't I well them, but I you know, I have a lot of friends who, You know, they they say, it's it's hard work, you know, it's, it's tough. You know, there are there every day is not, uh, unicorns and rainbows. You know, there are lots (laughs) of conversations that they have to have that like, Hey, like you just said, I got to meet, is it cool if I go and you're right. If your partner is truly about you and they, they're never going to say no, you know, they're not, no, of course they, they may not like it. You know, I told my daughter two weeks ago, you know, she's in middle school. And we had some friends over for dinner and they left and her and I were talking, you know, that's the cool thing about that, At eight middle school, you can actually talk to your kids about, you know, heavy stuff. Mm -hmm. And I looked at her and I go, do you want me to stop coaching? I'm like, you're Mm -hmm. at that age where you're going to start, you know, she plays softball in the summer and, you know, you're, you want to, you want to do track, you're talking about doing cross country, you know, and on the inside, I'm like, yeah, you know, (laughs) Um, and I said, do you want me to stop? And. She was like appalled that I even asked that question. She's like, dad, you're a coach. You've always been a coach. You're always going to be a coach. You can't stop coaching. What if I want you to coach me and da, da, da And, you know, it made my heart melt. Um, but if she would have said, yeah, daddy, I want you to stop. Gonna, I would said, I'm finishing out the season and I'm done. Wow. You know, cause I've, you know, I've, I've had, a have had a good coaching career. You know, I won a state championship. You know? and I, I said, I didn't win it, but I coached a state championship team, you know, I, I'd walk away right now for the for my family needed me to walk away. I, I would totally do it, you know. Mm. I would, and I and I think my athletes and my parents would understand. They get it. They they, they understand about it. But you know, sometimes you have to prioritize that. You know, what's important to you? And you know, as I'm getting older, you know, I had someone walked up to me and they're like, you know, what if you were given an ultimatum? I'm like, I'm at the age now. I probably would. I'd walk away, you know. Mm. But you know, as I told you too, there's a financial part of coaching too. You know, you walk away. A lot of us coach because we need the money, you know, it helps, especially in Indiana, which the teaching retirement is based on, you know, your average of five years, you know, you move around or you go to a place that pays you more. You, you, you got to coach at least five years at that school to make sure you get that, you know, that, that high retirement number and things like that. So mm-hmm. there's a financial aspect to it as well. But going back to what we were saying, there's a there's a a, a a money on time and that's priceless. You can't put a value on that. And you know if I my family came in and said we need you to stop, I, I would do it. I, it would be hard. And I don't think my family would ever do that. They yeah. they know you know that no one's ever gonna do that. But you know I told my daughter, I'm like, want me to walk away? I'm I'm done. I'll write the letter of resignation tonight, and we'll get through the year. And she's like, absolutely not, Daddy. You are not quitting. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Do you you think there'll be a point where you'll be ready to to step away? Or do you think you'll coach until you die?
1: Coach until the sunrise uh, or sunset, (laughs) I should say. Yeah, yeah. Um, You know, it's funny, uh, Coach Lindsay and Nicole and I from Chester, we were just talking about this a couple of days ago, where, you know, where, where do we stop? And my goal always has been 20 years. And I'm at 15 now, 14 or 15. But I look and I'm like, Five years is not five years is gonna go by like that. It'll be here before we know it. I think what will finally stop me is when it's not fun anymore, you know, mm-hmm. when it when I just don't enjoy it, where I just show up and I'm like, oh, I got practice. You know, you know, it's like you said, what do you do when you're when those dark days become every day? Yeah. That's when you know it's time to hang it up. Can I see myself doing it for another 10, 15 years? Maybe. I mean, I'll be I'll be pretty old by then. Um, <laughs> you know, but it's it depends which way my life goes you know you know my daughter what happens when she goes to college if she goes to college you know and i want to go to dad's weekend it's during cross country season you know right and is my athletic department or or my boss is going to be like i'm like i'm going to see my daughter my assistant coach has got this i trust them enough and i think they would they'd be like coach you do what you need to do as long as you got it covered you know i i think we have an atmosphere at Valpo where they they would they would say that's okay now, I couldn't do it every weekend, but you know if there was a weekend in there, I think they would not have a problem with that at all. but you know I do that's a question I ask myself I'm like how much longer do I want to do it? but right now it's it's still really fun. I think my junior class would kill me right now if I walked away, they'd probably <laughs> hunt me down. Um, but you know, as they say, all good times must come to an end, and you know eventually you know that that's gonna happen, but who knows when I, I think I can retire in like 15 years or something like that so okay. we'll see where I'm at at that point you
0: know so are you are you still enjoying it as much as you were at the beginning or maybe even more or
1: I think I enjoy it more
0: hmm.
2: you know
1: I, I'm a really I'm a very emotional coach as you saw but I even out on the course like people think I'm possessed I'm I'm like crazy <laughs> um I've gotten into like verbal disagreements with parents before on the, from other teams, you know, one time I was in the way of this guy taking, uh, pictures and he's like, excuse me. And I go, I looked him. I go, excuse me, I'm working. (laughs) He's like, oh, you know, so, you know, so that's fun to me. And I know, and it's fun to me because I know my athletes get a kick out of it. You know, they, they get to see me being this like Tasmanian devil guy out there. I even had yesterday, you know, at that indoor meet I had oh, that same friend I was talking to from Portage, uh, they were with another couple. And the other couple was like, man, you are crazy out there when you're coaching. They're like, you're on your, (laughs) you're down on your knees, you're pointing, you're doing this and that. And I go, yeah, because that's the fun part of coaching. It's like, you get Mm -hmm. to kind of not lose your mind, but you get to like be wild for a second and get into it. And I, you know, the girls say they are like, coach, I don't even, sometimes I don't even hear you. Or they're like, you're the only voice that i hear yeah. you know and i go well that's the point of it and you know so i you know i i think i have more fun now than i did before but um uh, you know there's the administration stuff it's not as fun you know like yeah. you said you get to show up and practice and then go home and you're done and you know you get to to move on with your day um but as far as like the coaching part of it i think it's more fun now um uh, because you know you played a role in you know, Kaylee Pulitzer, she thanks me all the time for what, I, what we did together. And I go, I didn't do anything, you did all the work. Uh, but she goes, I couldn't have done it without you. I'm like, yes, you could, like, it's not, I mean, you know, she rose her eyes and whatnot. Um, but, you know, it's fun to know that you help that athlete reach their potential, you know, at least get there. I think a lot of my athletes, when they leave, there's more in the take. And that's probably why going back to training, I don't train them as hard because if they want to go to college, I want them to be even more successful mm-hmm. in college. So I, I like to put that foundation there and then their college coaches can you know, figure it out and, and, and do what they think is best.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm thinking back to our earlier discussion a couple minutes ago, but isn't it frustrating that it often takes like discussions like this to realize, like when you were talking about like when your family's in town and they want to come visit, like just have them over those kind of things. I was thinking about like my sister lives like five minutes from me and we're, we're close, but I haven't seen her in a couple of weeks. And like, that matters way more than the, than the things I was thinking about today. Like the immediate worries of of work or whatever. I don't know. I'm just thinking about how like, man, it's frustrating that it often takes, you know, conversations like these to realize that what really matters.
1: Cause you don't think about it. And then, then one day it's like you said, then you look, and you're like, Oh my God, I haven't, you know, I haven't called my mom in a week. She's going to kill me. Or, you know, <laughs> I haven't even texted my mom in a week, or I haven't talked to my sister, like you just said, or I haven't talked to my brother or whatnot, because let's be honest, these days go so fast. So
0: fast. And when
1: you're on a coaching schedule and a teaching schedule and you get home and you're exhausted, you just cook dinner, you want to chill, watch Netflix or do whatever, play. Like, like you said, I'll listen to music or play music. And the next thing you know, it's 10 o'clock at night and you're like, I got to go to bed." <laughs> yeah. And then next thing you know, it's another day is gone and it becomes a vicious cycle. So, you know, until you, you make that commitment or not a commitment, but just like realization, like, oh my God, I've got to do these things, you know, you know, and it it does sometimes you don't even realize it. Like, holy moly, I haven't talked to this person in X amount of days. And, oh, you know, I better check in. They might think I'm not alive, you know,
0: for sure. I I even think about, I don't know like from a running perspective it's like the same when like when you get injured you don't like each day you're like oh we have to go do this long run or go do this run but then when you're injured like that's all you want to do is uh, do anything to to do the long run to do the hard workout um so it often takes like bad thing or like critical moments to realize what really matters
1: I think there's an old saying you don't know what you got till it's gone
0: yeah <laughs> yeah for sure I think uh like coaching makes time go by even faster because you're always looking forward to like the next practice the next meet state like even this like this last season my first full season with Carmel and it just flew by like just thinking about like we were just looking forward to the next thing and it just goes by so fast
1: it's crazy. I find it, especially the cross-country season it just flies by like it's like oh my god it's sectional where what happens? You, know, <laughs> yeah. you know it's like all these meets boom 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 and even you know one you know i think track drags because it starts it feels like you're training forever mm-hmm. but once you get to april it's like bam and it's like oh my god it's conference this week where did you know where did the meets go now some days at those track meets you're miserable because it's 42 degrees and it's raining you know um but it, it all go. you know once you get going and especially in the competitive part of the season it, it's crazy it just goes by fast. And like you said, it just makes those days just fly by And next thing you know, it's been, Oh my God, it's been two weeks. You know, where did this go by, you know?
0: For sure. Um, so we're coming up on two hours, but (laughs) no, this has been awesome. I love this. Um, there are a few more things I wanted to hit on if you're, if you're down before we wrap up. One thing I was just curious about, but obviously you're very passionate about music. Um, Have you ever like tried to pursue it or what, what is your music career (laughs) like?
1: Uh, You know, I always laugh because it pays really well. (laughs) Mm. Um, You know, I like doing it because it brings me a lot of personal joy. Um, But there's also the part of it that I can't, it's hard for me to describe that when you're in a, you know, wherever you're playing and you're playing music, and you look in the crowd and people are smiling they're having a good time they're listening to you and that you're bringing enjoyment to someone else's life even for that just that one song there's just something really cool about that and even when i go to concerts and you know they play my favorite song it's like man if these guys knew what the joy i have in my body right now as i'm listening to this you know they, they feel that times 10,000. I'm in a place with a hundred people in it and maybe two of them like what I'm doing. And it's just (laughs) really, really cool. And, you know, it's funny you ask, do I pursue it all? You know, I, I play, you know, pre COVID I was playing a lot. I was playing, you know, 20 to 50 times a year, uh, you know, on, on, on any given weekend and, it was all word of mouth. I rarely go into a place and like, oh, here's my business card or things like that. I'll get a random, hey, we heard about you know, we had a customer heard about you. Now I'm finding now I kind of do have to go out like I know there's there's three places I need to go visit to drop off my business card and things like that because I'm looking at trying to do more gigs now that um, not that I have all this extra free time but I like to play on the weekends. I don't have my daughter, so when I have my daughter, it's you know I don't do any we, we hang out. Um, but when I don't, a lot of times on the week, I'm just, I go to practice or go to meet and then I come home and I'm just here home. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, if I could be making some money or, you know, going out and enjoying myself playing music, um, I don't write a lot of my own music. My, the music I do write is it's kind of very personal. And Mm -hmm. I think that's what a lot of musicians it is. Um, I'm not quite at that point where I feel comfortable sharing my original. I think I've shared one original song in my entire life, um, And, you know, if you really want to pursue your own, you've got to be a songwriter, you know, and I'm not, the the only time I write, it's funny, I get it, as a, as, you know, I guess you can call me a musician, but you write your best music when you are in the dumps, you know, (laughs) and, you know, who wants to hear about your sob stories and songs, but obviously a lot of people do because a lot of people, that's how a lot of people connect with music, when it hits you emotionally, it just is like, whoa, you know, man, I I feel what that artist is singing about or talking about. And I do, sometimes I wish I had that songwriting capability, because, you know, who knows uh, what I would be able to do. And I'm not saying I'm this, I, the music I play is the music that I like, and it's music that I can do well. And when you do that, the crowd is into it because you sound good, you know? Mm. Um, but you know, I, it's, it's a nice side hustle and it's fun, but it's also a lot of work. I mean, I used to play places where I would start playing at 10 o'clock and I'll get done till two o'clock in the morning. And wow. I'm coaching at this time too. And it's like, it was, I mean, one time I did a gig the night of new Prairie. So I was at new pray all day. And then I had to go play music from like 10 to two and talk about being exhausted. Like I got home and I was just like, Oh my God, this is but it's fun. It really is. It, it, it's a whole new, like just level of funness. I mean, and that's, I think all coaches should, I mean, not everyone's going to play mute, but you need to find that in your life to, sure. to reinvigorate you. I mean, coaching does that for me. Don't get me wrong, but music is totally something separate. And if you knew people that knew me, they would tell you that like, Oh my God, they're like, when he's up there, he's just in his own world doing his own thing. And it's yeah. just a lot of fun, but I, I do, I enjoy it. And like I said, I enjoy I to you know, watch other people play. That, that's fun too. But no, but you know, I've got my, well, you don't see me. You see some of my stuff, but behind me this way is my mic, my EQ, all that stuff's over there. So where I practice and things like that.
0: So yeah, and uh, that, yep. Oh, go ahead.
1: Uh, that's, I mean, you talk about that takes time too. You know, if I want to learn a new song, you know, this guy, I got to put in a, you know, I try to play for, 30 minutes to an hour every day even if it's just picking up my guitar and strumming some chords things like that just to keep you know that that habit going that's awesome
0: do you have a like some artists that inspired you or even some favorite artists to listen to uh
1: yeah yeah. uh most people that know me know i'm a huge dave matthews band fan um you know i've seen them uh, 49 times in my life um and and it's mostly because their music, I know a lot of people rip on Dave Matthews band, which I guess it's not everybody's cup of tea. Um, but you know, when I got into them, that, was that was like my twenties and right out of college. And I have so many good memories with their music. And then their music has helped me when I've had some really dark times. You know, you listen to music that, you know, that make you know, reverts you back to those happy times um so they're probably you by far my favorite act you know i try to see them once or twice a year obviously if i've seen them that many i'm really into um Luke Bryan right now i think his oh, stuff cool. is like i do a, i do a pretty good version of something in the orange that uh, people are really getting into Oh Zach um, Bryan? Uh, oh Zach Bryan. Yeah, Zach Bryan. Okay, Zach Bryan. Yeah. I always get the two mixed up
0: yeah. 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 Um, I love Zach Bryan that's awesome.
1: Oh man he is and his songs are just wow you know you you can feel what he's really talking about. Uh, in his music Uh, and and luckily my voice it's not similar to his but in the octaves it's very uh, similar so I can kind of do some stuff Um, but you know the music inspired like I literally I have a cross-country playlist where you know uh, you know you go on especially in the postseason all the girls are tuned in and I have my own like coaches playlist where I've got you know (laughs) certain songs that I listen to to get me kind of hyped up and 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 ready to go Um, but really any like I any kind of live music I love I really do I'm, I'm not a big country guy even though I just said well this guy's you know but I don't consider a lot of these new country guys country guys they're kind of like yeah. Americana folk guys they're not really country so which is helping their popularity even though I screwed up his name it doesn't help me in that <laughs> sense so hopefully he's not listening but you know his music is so good but you know uh, when I need to be in a, a mood, uh, it's usually Dave Matthews Band. I'm like, all right, popping in, or some, or some like '90s R&B, '90s pop stuff like that. I'm really into alternative music, stuff like that. Um, but you know, when I'm out playing, I play a wide variety of music from Elvis to Jack Johnson to you know Zach Ryan to whoever, voice, uh, whatever, whatever the crowd wants. I try to. I always say, I'm probably gonna play something you like. I'm probably gonna play something you don't like. So hopefully, you just hang out with me. So there you go
0: i've i uh been using spotify for i don't know six to eight years maybe and i like maintain a couple of playlists like songs that i like and then when i get tired of them i put them on this like giant playlist that i've been like accumulating for years and sometimes yeah. i'll like just put that on shuffle and, like random songs will come on from like six seven and eight years ago yes yeah. like remembering where i was what i was doing yeah. how i was feeling it's it's pretty amazing what
1: i was just like, i was just telling my psychology class today we're talking about sensation and perception And, you know, how I open it is like, have you ever heard a song and immediately you're transported back to a moment that you relate with it. I I call music, it's life's time machine because you can hear a song and bam, you're reverted back. Like you just said, seven, 10, 12 years. And you're like, oh, my God, I totally remember this situation or this moment or we were driving to the beach. And, you know, it's I mean, music just touches you on a different level and you know i think it, it's really cool that you know you can drive you can find that and when you can find it that's a special thing um but yeah i, I like when i love rediscovering music like yeah. you know i have the same thing where you have all these like songs and the song and you're like man i love this song and then you look oh i liked it no wonder i like it yeah. you know? it's, it's super cool to, you know i love rediscovering music
0: yeah so. and it's such a mystery what like you connect to it's like like if there's a song that you really love and you like show it to someone they're like what is this but yeah, yeah. <laughs> for some reason you're just like i don't know i just love it there's something that speaks to me it's
1: yeah and, and, and that's the cool thing with music is that it's different from everybody like you may be an artist and i'm like dude that guy sucks but you <laughs> know what yeah that means everything to you and i respect that you know and i rarely say that band sucks i never say anything because like, i'm because i know how personal music is to people and, you know, I'm like, oh, you like that? Yeah. You know, well, they're not really my cup of tea, but that's awesome that you found something that you're, you're really into. And, and you know, that, that's great that you can, because, you know, I, I actually you don't see it. I have this big tattoo. It says music heals. Oh, um, cool. And because it, it does, I think it, it really does that. It does those things. Um, if you can find it. you know.
0: Yeah. And you were talking about how, like most of the best music comes from when you're like at your darkest moments. But I feel like, music is also maybe the most powerful like when you're listening to it when you're at your your lowest yeah, moments yeah. too
1: oh yeah when you're trying you know because you know it's like it's like what we're talking about tonight it's hard probably for, if someone's listening to this podcast that's not a coach they probably won't get this but if there's one coach out there that goes man thank god that he talked about this because you know this totally makes sense to me um you know and that's the same thing with music you know it it will it, it just hits you and then you're like oh you know. I'm a, I am I you am know, a lot of people listen to music and go, I'm normal, oh, man, they're talking about exactly what I'm when I thought there was nobody in the world feeling like I feel along comes this song that just exploded all these emotions in my mind, and I totally get what they're talking about. And that's like this discussion there's I'm sure there's coaches out there that are, you know, maybe in a place that's not good and they don't know what's going on and you know maybe something you've said, or I said, or even weeks ago, what coach Andy or anybody said that they go, man, thank God there's, there's somebody out there feeling like I do. Maybe I should reach out to them and, you know, ask for advice or just vent, you know, or, or whatnot. And I think you find that in other people, but sometimes on a personal level, you find it in a song, in a lyric, mm-hmm. you know, in music or something like that. And it, it helps, it helps you heal. It's the It's a process of, of getting there to that point.
0: Definitely. And to that point, I'm really glad that you reached out to me because I, like I said, I've been thinking about, you know, wanting to be a head coach eventually. And I like tend to think uh, we kind of discuss this on, on email, but like I have rose colored glasses towards things like it's I'm going to get this head coaching job. It's going to be pure bliss. I'm going to be the best coach that's ever existed. Like all my relationships are going to be great. But oftentimes, like take someone who's been down the road to like not warn you, but you know, yeah, give you wisdom. From that little experience, yeah. You know,
1: when I, this, I was, it was really weird. I, you know, I'm listening to that podcast and, and, and you and, a- and Andy are talking and I'm, I'm, like I said, I was like, wow, I'm into this podcast today. And you brought that up and you guys start talking about it. And the next day I'm like, I got it. Just tell them, you know, be careful, you know, make sure you have your ducks in a row because I think all of it, you just, I mean, you coach at Carmel You've had so much tremendous success and you see what it takes but there's a lot of sacrifice to get to that level. There's a lot of, like I said, people that don't coach know all of the behind the scenes time that goes into that. And that's not free. There's other people or things that are sacrificing for that time or you're giving this up for that. And that's the, that's what it. I don't, I don't want to say. That. That's kind of got me to, to, and I emailed both of you to say, you know, I really enjoyed the podcast. It really spoke to me on a lot of levels. Um, but you know, I that's and I hope you didn't think it was a warning. It's just like, hey, these are the things that you're gonna have to think about as you go on. It's not yes, all mache. it's not all the unicorns and rainbows, it's a lot of work, it's a lot of sacrifice, and you know, you're gonna have to have some really hard conversations with the people around you so they know what you're getting yourself into because they may not know what and now if you have someone that understands man you hit the jackpot, you hit mm. the jackpot, but you know. It, it sometimes it's those it's those tough conversations that they they need to know well, this is what i do these are the hours you know i can't like i said in, uh, i can't go on vacation in the random october <laughs> a week in october because i've got this going on you know i can go on vacation in july <laughs> or <All right. laughs> i'm teaching summer school to make extra money so i'm all i got to be at summer school in june but these are the weeks in the summer where we can go do something mm. and you know i in the past i can tell you that I was reluctant to do that because, you know, you're the head coach. You're like, I can't go. But I've realized now that you can, if you've got good assistant coaches, or now it's to the point that, you know, you just have to trust your athletes to do the right thing. And if they do, they do it. If they don't, you know, it is what it is. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you know, one of the, the things that you fall into is you can't want it more than them. They have to want it. There will be times as a coach you will want it more than your athletes, and mm-hmm. it's one of the most frustrating things in the world. And, but you can't force it on them. They eventually and they figure it out. They eventually figure it out. Sometimes too late, but they do. But it's just like that. I, I think it was Coach Yoder from Fort Wayne Carroll, where he's like, "I meet with my kids twice a week." That's it. And I was like, "Twice wow. a week? What?" <laughs> and he's like, "I trust them to do it." And you know, I took so much from that coach. Yoder. I've. I probably said two or three words to him and all right, but I really admired him. And, uh, just from one clinic appearance that I saw him speak at, he was amazing. And I'm like, gosh, I wish someone would have told me this stuff, you know, years ago. And, and not that I, you know, life is life. And like I said, I, there are regrets, but I'm, you know, I'm happy where my life is at now. It is for the most part. It's, it's not unicorns and rainbows every day, but mm-hmm. there are a lot of people that are worse off than I am right now. You know?
0: Yeah. Kind of going back just a little bit, but like to your point about music and how like in a lot of songs, there's like one line that really grabs you. I think about like this medium with podcasting. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I guess like one hope I have for the podcast that that we're doing right now and just all the episodes that that I've done is that like one line, kind of like what, what happened with you, like that one line just grabs you. Um, and I think kind of like what you're saying, this discussion that we're having, I think is super important and hopefully... I mean, even if just one thing sticks out and, I don't know, can improve your coaching, can improve your life, I think it's worth it.
1: Yeah, I I agree. You know, I I hope coaches aren't going to be making fun of us behind the scenes like, oh man, it's like a a weird session that they had today. (laughs) It's a possibility, I guess. But, you know, as I said, these are conversations that do happen amongst coaches. And, you know, we just kind of like, I think a lot of guys just shrug it off, and and then females as well. I think this affects females even way more because they're expected to be, you know, running the household as well as coaching, and you know, that there's another angle you can come mm-hmm. at it too, as you know, with uh, with females as well as it's, it's very different as well. Um, and I think uh, the Coach Bevins and Lindsay and uh, Denise and uh, uh, Bloomington North, I think Bloomington North coach, I think they touched on some of those things as well. Mm-hmm. How their career at coaching was might have been delayed a little bit because they were taking stuff in, mm-hmm. in the house and For things sure. like that. But you know, you hope. You know, we can only hope. I'm, I'm sure there'll be people that make fun of us, and that's fine. But you know, I hope that there are people that go, "Man, you know that 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 kind of helped me." Or that one part helped me, and maybe realize maybe it was something we talked about in training, but maybe it's something we talked about and, you know, organizing your life and making sure that you have, you know, you have to have those. I think what boils down, I think I, I mentioned to you, you know, everyone always talks about communication, communication, you got mm. communication only works if there's comprehension as well, you know, and, and I can talk to you until I'm blue in the face about things that are going on. But if you don't understand what I'm talking about, guess what? That communication means nothing.
2: Mm. It means
1: absolutely nothing. And if both people have to comprehend what is going on with that communication for it to mean something and work. But if one person is just talking, you know, I think I used the track example. I'm like, I could talk to you about intervals and CV pace and repeats, but if you don't know what an interval is or CV paces or anything, I'm just sounding out words and you're just bobbing your head going, yeah, that sounds good. Oh yeah. That sounds really cool. But if you don't know, <laughs> if you don't comprehend what I'm saying, you don't understand what the benefits of what that is. And I think that's in life. You can communicate all you want. You'd be the best communicator in the world. But if you're, whoever you're communicating with, your, your team, your significant other, your family, your friends, but if they don't comprehend what you're talking about, that communication doesn't work. It's got to be, there's got to be some comprehension there as well. And I think that's something everyone else, communication, I mean, yeah, communication is key. But the other part, you the other C, comprehension, you know, you got to have that there as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. I've mean, been, been thinking of like a kind of a slight variation of that. And like, as, especially happens in this kind of format where like we're talking for a while, but it's like, that's what you took away from our discussion? Or like, like this one thing really like changed my life. I'm like, oh, I didn't even remember that you or I yeah. said that, you know, like that yeah. kind of thing. It's yeah, definitely a lot of nuance to communication. Oh, cool. Um, is there anything else? I mean, <laughs> we talked... About a
1: lot. <laughs> yeah. We went through a lot. I was thinking about, you know, some of the things I don't know, you know, I just, you know, you know, like I said, I, I'm sure this podcast is probably not going to be for everyone. I, I know a lot of people tune in and they want to hear about training and things like that. But, you know, I think in training, a lot of us do the same things. Um, but, you know, it, it, I guess to, for, for my end, you know, as a, to, 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 to say what the purpose of this, you know, to anyone that's new to coaching, as all you just have to, you have to organize. You have you have to to, to prioritize your time. You have to surround yourself with people that complement you. You have to reach out to people that are maybe different from you. uh do, You know what I love about Indiana and the coaching community, especially in in the sport that we do, is no one has ever said no to me. If I've emailed, it, you know, Colin and I have emailed a few times. I've talked to. I remember there was a coach at Cal who emailed me. I've never been like. Why is this coach from Couch email me? What, 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 you know, no, we're all willing to help each other out. And, you know, I think about, you know, coach Erickson, coach Reed, coach Heinberg, of course, coach Wilkie, coach Coleman at Lafayette. He's, he's a jumps and sprints coach, but was my head coach, uh, coach Rody at like central Hoffman, of course, the chest coaches I've talked about and coach Barris, coach Ray, coach Bevins. These people are my friends. They're my colleagues and I want to beat them, but they're also my friends. And you, you got to find your tribe in coaching as well, but you got to find your tribe outside of that. I think one of the questions you asked me is like, you know, what about your life, your friends outside? And I do, I have a tremendous support group outside. I'm still friends with friends from middle school, from college. I've become friends with people in recent years that those people got my back. I mean, I can call them up right now and be like, I need some help. And they would be knocking on the door, you know, and, Even some of my coaching colleagues are that way too. Some of them are, are, you know, sometimes I hear from them, you know, hey, how you doing? What's going on? You know, yeah, this is what's going on with me, man. You know, you gotta find, you know, I always call it your tribe. You gotta find your tribe. And that in coaching will help you tremendously because the reason why coaches are so important is because they know exactly what you are going through. You know, Mm -hmm. I might have a friend who is a runner. But they know nothing about coaching and the time commitment it takes and, you know, maybe the pressures it's causing at work and as at home. Or if I call up, you know, Coach Rody at Lake Central and I'm like, dude, and he's like, dude, I totally know what you're talking about. You know, yeah. I totally know what you mean, you know, or, you know, and sometimes it's you know, me and uh, Coach Lindsay and Coach Cole, we actually have a text group and we go back and forth all day long, just about stupid stuff. just to take the edge off and we will we'll be like all right well see you this Saturday I plan on beating you you know I hope you guys are ready you know (laughs) so you know and when we get out there we are but you know Lindsay was right next to me at the four by eight when we won we were right next. I had her right next to me and behind me was Tori Bliss who I coached at Portage who was you know went to LSU and state champion to a former athlete and a coach I'm really close with And they were the first ones to hug me and congratulate me before I went running. And that meant the world to me that I got to share that. And the Warsaw coaches were there with me. They're like, oh my God, you won. Like I said, I become uh, good friends with those guys too. So, you know, because those folks know what you're going through. Mm. But you do have to find people outside as well. And like, you know, with me and music, find something to do outside that takes you away from it, that you find enjoyment. And then of course, like I said, it's about organization find stuff to do with your significant other your family that they enjoy as well where you you know like i said you might have to go to the beach after being at a meet all day and it's yeah. you're tired but you do it because you need to do it and those are those are words i hope a young coach hears that you know it's very easy to get totally swallowed by this what we do um, but you can't because you're going to be sacrificing other parts of your life and it may, it's going to make it hard it's gonna make it really really hard
0: yeah like you said, this, uh, maybe this type of podcast isn't for everybody, but I think this is maybe the episode I was most excited about heading into it. Not that like I wasn't excited about the other ones, but like the the latter half of this episode, like this type of discussion, and this is the kind of things that I like think about, you know, throughout the day when I'm like mm-hmm. spacing out at work or whatever. Like, yeah, kind of, like I don't know. I think a lot about like, am I living life right? Am I living a good life? Am I making an impact? Those kind of questions. And so. I don't know. A lot and, of that is related to coaching. So I was excited yeah. to, to discuss this with you. So I appreciate it.
1: And, and, and you are, I mean, whether you think you're not, you are. And even mm-hmm. me, I've been doing this, you know, it's year 15. I have those same thoughts. Am I doing the right things? And then you get a letter from a kid
2: mm-hmm. that
1: you coach three or four, or you get, you get, sometimes you get a text from a kid that you haven't seen and Hey coach, how are you? You know, I'm getting married this summer. Do you want to come to my wedding? You know, and it's like, Whoa, they thought of me that much. Mm-hmm. You know, or you get, you know, I I have some parents that reach out to me, they're like, Man, you were, you know, you and Boomer were so good to to our, our kids when you coach them. We appreciate it so much. You know, you are. And but you're not gonna know about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It may be 10, 15 years, but I guarantee at the end of the year, some kid will say something to you or about you and you'll be like, Whoa, they felt that way about me. You know, there there have been times where I thought kids didn't like me. And they say some stuff to me that blows my mind. I'm like, well, I had no idea. And you know, I'm glad I can, I made the experience, you know, worthwhile for you, you know, and and that's, that's that in the end, that's what it's about. Yeah. I'm winning's awesome. I ain't gonna lie. I love (laughs) to win. I tell my girls, no, I love to win. I love to win a sectional championship. I love to win conference and I've only won conference once and that was this year. And it was awesome. Hmm. You know, Those girls won a state championship. That was, I may never experience that ever again. I would cherish that moment for the rest of my life, Um, but it's not about that. It's about going to camp for a week with 50 girls and their dads. It's about, all right girls, eight o'clock practice, sunset hills, it's gonna be 97 degrees out and 100% humidity, but we're gonna get through that workout together. That's what makes it worth it. And and those are the things that they're gonna remember I mean, unless they, you know, reach a pillar, you know, obviously those girls that were part of that state championship team, right. Remember that for the rest of their lives um, as, as I will as well. Uh, But you know, it's in our sport, it's those other moments that matter most, but you have to find that balance inside yourself because like I said, you're dedicating this here. Something's not, is missing over here and you got to find that balance and, like you said, if you ever figured that out, Josh, man, you need to write a book because you <laughs> sell a million copies and make sure I'm a co-writer on it. All right.
0: <laughs> all right I'll give you, I'll give you the credit. Cool. Uh, well, I think that that's a great way to end it. Um, I appreciate the time. This has been an awesome discussion.
1: I hope so. I hope uh, I really appreciate, it. I hope I was a worthwhile host because you've had a work well, Yes. Cause you've had some tremendous guests on here. And like I said, to be considered for it, uh, that's pretty cool. And I'm sure. Like I said, it this may this podcast may not be for for everybody. I mean, I think uh now I was nervous coming on here because I'm like, oh, my God, how much do I want to open up and things like that? But that's what started this. So I, I just being really honest, you know, about it. And I think uh, like you said, it's uh something that's not talked about, but hopefully maybe it, it, it helps someone out there and that's all we can hope for. And if not, they'll just rip on us on the message board. And I guess that's
0: how <laughs> there you go. Well, cool. I uh, I appreciate you you doing this. Like it I don't know, it's easy to take for granted how you've opened up during this time. Um, but I think like you said, like we discussed, like it, if there's one coach out there or even just one listener who like takes away something from just this honest discussion, like I think it was, it was worth it. So
1: we can only hope, man. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. All right, everybody. Until next time.
1: Go Val.